Hello and welcome back to the Flail Skulls podcast. I'm Joe as always, and today we're going to be discussing the Empire. I am joined by three others. Today it is Joshua from the Crown Command podcast, Nathan from the Warhammer Orchard, and Justin, uh, a new arrival on our podcast. Justin, would you like to take a couple of minutes to uh, tell, us of, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got into the hobby? Sure. Hi. Hi, everyone. Great to be here. Um, love listening to the Flail Skulls podcast. So great to be a part of it. Um, I'm actually based in Japan here with uh, Joshua, and uh, we currently play about once uh, once a month together, uh, mostly Warhammer 5th edition. Um, so that's been great. Uh, I actually, I guess I'm a, a recent uh, convert into 5th edition. I started the game about 15 or so years ago with uh, 6th edition uh, and played throughout uh, until the end of 8th edition. Uh, played, uh, my first army was actually Wood Elves, and then I played um, Empire and then Vampire Counts. Mm-hmm. So those were the three army main armies I played. Um, but of course, uh, since meeting Joshua here, I think about two years ago, we've had a bit of a mini community here in, in Japan. Um, and we started playing uh, fifth edition and now play once a month. Um, so recently, actually, I played quite a few games of, uh, of my empire versus his Skaven um, or his orcs and goblins. Mm. Uh, and it's been, been really fun. Um, I'll say one thing I'm, I'm not really um, uh, much of a math hammer guy, especially with fifth edition, because a lot of my rules and uh, tactics and everything were from later editions. So. Okay. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been really interesting learning about 5th edition and, you know, in reverse. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so look look forward to this. Well, hopefully we'll get some games in or we can just tune into more of the podcasts or listen to our army list discussions, see what you like. Uh, we definitely go through all the armies and talk about them in our army list discussions. And the Wood Elves is almost fully repaired now, so we should be releasing that soon. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, uh, Joshua, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Is there anything else going on with the Crown Command uh, currently? Or in the hi, Joe, and hi, everybody. Uh, thanks very much for inviting me back. It's always a pleasure to come on to the Flavor Skulls podcast and give my uh, somewhat uh, inexperienced army lists and to see how they compare to uh, others out there. But um, yeah, maybe we've been really busy here. I just we were just talking before um, off air and we just finished. Oh, we we did our second game of Advanced Hero Quest last night with Marcel mm-hmm. and his wife and Timothy. So that was really exciting. I've been up till till like two thirty in the morning, which is not unusual for me. But um, yeah, playing playing games with my friends across uh, across the um, Atlantic and Pacific has been really good uh, so far. So we've been really enjoying that. Uh, yeah, like Justin said, we, we've been playing at least once a month, and we're going to have another game scheduled for the end of this month with John Joe again and Justin. Uh, they're uh, playing as an alliance of Wood Elves and High Elves against mm. my 4,000 points of Chaos. Now, this is Jesse's <laughs> Chaos Army, okay. and we really wanted to give it a big send-off before I sent it back to mm. him to New Zealand. Uh, so Jesse's sending me... Um, he's actually sending me my Empire Army plus some plus the very final centerpiece of his Chaos Army uh, on Monday. So once I receive that, I can paint it up, uh, have it ready for uh, our big game at the end of the month. 
So we're really looking forward to that at the moment. So um, oh, yeah. yeah, mate, that's that's what's been happening. Okay, cool. cool. We also big, big send off of arrows and trees to you, Joshua. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I throw that throw that in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm expecting a lot of yeah hail of arrows coming in my way as as the Chaos Army and notoriously don't have any uh, missile troops, no war machines, nothing apart from chariots, but. Um, yeah, I'm sort of limited to my choices of what Jesse's got in his army, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they go. I'll, I'm going to play with the fourth edition uh, list too, like with the gift, uh, the gift cards, and and I, I just love that Lost in the Dam feel to that particular um, army book. So yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, as mentioned, Nathan is here too. So Nathan, what's uh, what's new with the Warhammer Orchard? Hey, thanks for having me, as always. Glad to be here. I've got a few things in the works for The Orchard. Our next podcast uh, that'll come out this week, which is the first full week of March, is the Warhammer Hall of Fame. It's a little project that I've been doing, and it's been a ton of fun. Basically, I polled uh, too many people on too many Facebook groups, and we determined, we tried to determine who was the most iconic characters in Warhammer Fantasy and the most iconic units. And uh, then we got together and had a little bit of an induction ceremony slash debate. And that episode is coming out March the 9th and it's tons of fun. We have a community winner, someone that the community picked to be the uh, top uh, inductee for the Warhammer Hall of Fame in both the categories of special characters and then the unit categories as well. Yeah. And uh, I think the community did a very good job on that one. And then we had our own little uh, committee that chose from a shortlist picked by, again, the community. And we ended up with three inductees from special characters and three inductees from the regular units and that episode i think has been uh it's been the most work to put together but also mm -hmm. it turned out really really well so i'm looking forward to releasing that one and the only other thing that i will mention as well is that uh, a fan who listens to the orchard and the flail of skulls podcast got in touch with me his name's neil and uh, he really enjoyed our last episode on dwarfs and okay. dwarf armyless yeah. and he just wanted to let us all know that if we're looking for dwarfs with spears uh being the good dwarf infantry or i guess the least bad dwarf infantry mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can pick some up from uh the game is called oathmark and i think it's done by north star uh miniatures and it's 30 plastic dwarfs for i think 25 pounds Ooh. And, uh, yeah, he, he uh, recommended those ones. I took a look at them. They look pretty darn good to me. Not quite the classic Games Workshop dwarfs, but uh, not super dissimilar. And I think they'd paint up nicely for Hero Hammer. So if anyone is inspired after our last episode, wants to get their dwarf on, uh, that one is uh, is a good choice. So thanks to Neil for that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Cause, because I've been looking for dwarfs with spears for a very long time now. Uh, <laughs> I took the old, very old, I believe they were 3rd edition Monopose Dwarfs, and I did conversions on them, but they, it looks terrible. Yeah, that might be might be an option if you're yeah. doing more than one unit. 
Yeah, I've been currently I've been looking at the Mantic Games ones. Uh, for the uh, dwarves there, they have the pretty good spearmen there as well. But uh, I'll be checking out these ones from Oathmark as well. So uh, thanks to Neil for that uh, tip there. All right. Well, uh, each of us has brought an amulet today, um, and I think we should start out with the Joshuas in case you you need to to leave early today. So, Joshua, would you like to walk us through your arm list, and uh, and then we'll start to bring down Math Hammer and perhaps the Law Hammer as well? Okay, mate. Sure. Thank you very much again for uh, bringing me on again, and and just just uh, everybody knows I've never actually played Empire, so um, so I'm coming in from the from from sort of left field. I don't know much about the army apart from having played Justin uh, now regularly, but. Um, as I said, Jesse has got uh, a large empire army uh, on the on the on the plane coming over shortly, and uh, uh, I sent some photos to you guys as to what I had had my collection. So my army list is based on what I can realistically put on the table, mm. and um, so that's where I'm sort of coming from. And maybe as a potential two thousand point Call of the Crown uh, painting challenge contender, okay, uh, okay. but yeah, we'll have to see what we what we can do in the future. But yeah, it's pretty boring in comparison to what you guys have been playing. Uh, you put up there with all your wonderful sort of um, fluff text uh, behind every single unit and character. Mine's very quite generic. So um, we've got we've got our general now. It's Carl Franz. Um, he's on a war horse, uh, so it's a little bit different um, than on the Griffin. Um, I really wanted to put him on the Griffin, but I think the points all up was just way too much for what I wanted to do with this army. So okay. uh, it's it's very much a cavalry-based army, as you'll see mm -hmm. uh, later on. So yeah, Carl Franz is on there, on his war horse. He's got the Hammer of Sigma, which is probably the most derpiest um, <laughs> item I, I've ever seen. And it's such a sad thing because he's this incredibly iconic character in the entire you know, lore of Warhammer. And he's got the most iconic um, you know, symbol like the symbol of Warhammer, mm -hmm. um, and it's the most awful, overpriced weapon in the game. And for, yeah. unfortunately, I can't do anything about, it, but have to give it to him. So, he's got that. He's got the silver seal, of course, uh, which are two items to be, which he must take, and it gave him the armor protection. Okay. So okay. he he so which is not a bad you know it's not a bad bit of um, uh, uh, as it like an as it like a. Uh, is it a ward save, isn't it? It's a ward save. Of, yeah, an armor save and a ward save. And a, and a ward save, yeah. So it's got that sort of little combo there for him mm -hmm. to protect him and keep him safe. So he comes in at 342 points all up. Now, his right-hand man is uh, Ludwig uh, Schwartzhelm. He's also in the Warhorse, uh, war and I made him the BSB, which is like, just looking at the army book, it's it really quite funny because the normal BSB, which is awful, at 80 points, and then you've got Ludwig at 70 points and mm -hmm. you just pay an extra 50 points to make in the BSB he's got like three wounds he's got he's just all around so much better so I don't know why you would ever want to take a regular um, BSB in your uh, empire army maybe that's just me but yeah and he's such a great looking model too that I had to have him um, beside Carl Franz as his you know his um, elite sort of champion and bodyguard and um then we've got the Supreme Patriarch. He's also mm -hmm. mounted. Now, I've, I've chosen him because I've already got one painted up in my mm -hmm. cabinet, so I really love that model, and I think he's just a really cool-looking figure. And um, he, he's, of course, armed with the Staff of Volans, which has been 
slightly errated in the fifth edition because me and Justin looked at the um, the fourth edition entry, but it's it's slightly changed in fifth edition. The item um, it's not that you automatically cast total power. You have to pay the power cards first before it becomes like uh, like un undispellable. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it has slightly changed in fifth edition. And I gave him the Ring of Volans because why not? I mean, he's got the, he's got the the set then, hasn't he? Like yeah, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the model's actually got a ring on his finger, so it, it just seems cool that he has like this um, bound item that has this uh, battle magic spell, and so he's got an extra spell in there basically okay. um, that he can use. And he's got the Golden Crown of Atrazar um, for his uh, for his armor. Um, so he comes in at four hundred forty-seven points. Now. Uh, the rest of the army, uh, we're going to the regiments now, there are, there are only three characters uh, in this list. So, oh sorry, no, the last character, sorry, is the Grand Master of the Knight's Panther. So he's a champion, um, mainly because I really love this model and I really wanted to, it really, I desperately wanted it in my list. So I was gonna take a hero, but it was just too too costly in the end, so I just took him as a champion. So again, he's on, he's on a war horse and he has the Armor of Fortune uh, coming in at a cheap 45 points. I didn't give him a sword. I thought I'd just keep I'll just keep him sort of survivable, um, so that you know he he's got more chances to just just hang into the end the battle and uh, keep swinging his sword basically. So now we're going to the regiments. Um, so we've got twelve knights panther, and with a standard bearer. So they come in at a very high cost at five hundred seven points. But man, they're the most iconic looking um, cavalry in the entire game. Um, it's it's those and the blazing sun, which I think are just my favourite cavalry yeah. of all time, and uh, so they had to be included. I really wanted more of a mobile army, and I think the cavalry and for me, Empire just embodies cavalry. I mean, uh, everything else looks pretty, uh, you know, substandard and ordinary com in comparison. <laughs> so I've got a big block of um, twelve knights now. I might split those off into two regiments. Uh, of eight because I'm including the other characters in it too, the other four characters. So I'm either going to either put him in one big unit or split them off into two units of eight. So I've got that sort of option as well. Uh, so <clears throat> beside them, we've got 12 flagellants. I've only got 12 because I've only got 12 models. So, mm. uh, but they're, you know, they're just mad zealots and they're unbreakable. They're like, they're like troll slayers, but just taller. And so, better. you know, and better. Yeah, they're better actually. Yeah. So, um, I've got those in there, so they're just like a bit of a roadblock for um for for me to get into the flanks and rear of units if uh, if that's being the case. And I've got two units of ten crossbowmen, so they're ninety points respectively, <clears throat> to stick on the flanks or stick on a hill or whatever it might be. I might put them as a, a big unit of twenty, or I might have them split off in, into two units of ten or two units of uh, or four units of five, just depending. Um, and I've got 15 halflings because I really wanted something that was, um, I really wanted to embrace the other races that are in the army list um, more, but unfortunately I just ran out of points. So I've got 15 halflings because I just love the halflings and I think they're just such a great little option uh, with, you know, they've got excellent um, ballistic skill. Um, so those with bows are just a really nice little, um, you know, pin cushioner unit. As in not them being the pin cushion, they're going to make something else a pin cushion, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, and then sixteen great swords. Now they might not be the best. Um, well, they're probably they're probably the best infantry unit I think in the list. Um, they've got a standard and they've got light armor and a musician. But I just love the models. I think the models are just some of the best models for infantry ever. 
So I've got 16 of those guys. And that comes to a total of uh, 1,997.5 uh, points uh, altogether. Okay. Well, thank you so much for walking us through your list. Nathan, would you like to start out with your thoughts on this army? Sure thing. This reads to me like a who's who of like fun, recognizable empire units. And I really like some of the choices that you made in taking Karl Franz with Schwarzelm as well for the Emperor's Champion in there. Uh, it's neat to see the Supreme Patriarch before uh, Balthazar Gelt stole his job. Uh, <laughs> so it's kind of neat to, to see the, the OG kind of bright wizard one in there. And uh, yeah, the Knight's Panther... When I was looking through the list originally, I was just like, oh, like this seems, at least from a, a lore perspective, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like he should go with the Reichsguard here, just where, I mean, this, is, this has got such a, you know, uh, bodyguard of the Emperor kind of feel to it. But when you explain just that the, the Knight's Panther are, you know, they're, they're a great looking unit, they're iconic, and I'm not actually sure i was just flipping through the empire book that there's any difference at all between them and the reichsguard other than their look uh so i think you definitely made the right choice there i think they are the probably the best looking knights i also like the uh blazing sun as well um yeah the the flagellants are just ludicrously good i i love them so much they're it's in a book that feels very so-so uh, in a lot of places. The flagellants just stand out with that strength four, tough four, two attacks, uh, unbreakable craziness there. The crossbowmen as well, I like them. Um, and I, I don't know if, if you've considered this at all just for the, the lore of your army. When I was looking through them and, and reading their fluff, it was very much a thing where crossbowmen are very common in uh, Tilly as mercenary companies and do you think you would maybe uh, if you do end up building this army painting them up as if they were uh, mercenaries or do you think that you would go with something a little bit more worked into the, the color scheme of the army Mate, I'm, I'm going to base all the color schemes straight off the studio color schemes basically so nice okay don't, yeah don't don't give me any points for imagination because there won't be any <laughs> sorry i'm sorry <laughs> no worries. just the iconic iconic color schemes of the white dwarves and that kind of thing basically yeah. mate yeah cool cool well there's no way yeah there's no way, way to go wrong that uh in that yeah. direction um and halflings i mean i i desperately wanted to fit some halflings in my list but it just didn't make any sense whatsoever so i'm super glad to see them represented to here and then great swords, yeah, just rounding out those iconic empire units. I, yeah, the uh, looking at the great swords, I I honestly don't know how you would use them in in fourth and fifth edition. But I think much like yourself, if I was going straight empire, I would have to throw some in there because they do just look gorgeous. But yeah, I, I like this whole list a lot. It's it's a very who's who list of the empire, and I love it. Okay. Thanks, Anything man. else you want to mention? Nope. nope. Okay. Well, I guess uh, I'll go next. Uh, so I do like the idea of using these iconic units um, for your army list. Um, I like the idea of the um, uh, special characters for choices there. 
Um, let's see here. Uh, and the Night Panthers, they definitely look great. And now, uh, if I were to go a little bit more Math Hammer on this style, it, you are indeed correct. The Hammer of Sigma, although it's probably the most iconic item in the game, it is also one of the worst ones. And it's just so unfortunate you have to uh, put it on Carl Franz or that they didn't make it worth the points, at least. I'm not sure what they thought about, you know, automatically causing wounds has to cost 100 points and uh, or 75 points for the automatic cause of wound and then 25 points for the ignore regular armor save so he doesn't he doesn't yeah. even know a magic armor save so if somebody else has the armor protection they still get their uh well uh, four plus with one negative uh one negative modifier from his strength of four so um his items are just not very good and the ham and the silver seal it's a it's an okayish item but the the um, what's it called the chalice uh, let me find it here it's been a while since I've used it the ruby chalice that might actually be a better item than uh, the silver seal and cheaper um, now you mentioned uh, Ludwig Schwarzschild uh, why you would pick a regular battle standard bearer over him because he has the more wounds than the others have uh, they only have one wound and they only have toughness three the reason is that they can carry a magic battle standard bearer battle uh, standard that's what it was that's he, what it was he, so he has to take that sword yeah he has to take that sword yeah so he's stuck with that sword um, and you have not included the sword have you uh, no because of just points and I mean uh, for 50 points, I just don't think that that sword is really worth it either. I'm, I'm, I'm being like a real downer, aren't I? Like I'm, I'm usually sort of defending everything at any at any yeah. opportunity, but I'm I'm sort of putting yeah, a bit of a downer on some of the items. I think the items just suck for Empire. Mm -hmm. That is terrible. But I think I think it's just a case, like we said before, that this is the first book they wrote, and I think it was just a case that they really needed a, a revised edition for fifth edition mm -hmm. later on, but they just never got it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of lot of the things in the Empire Army just seem very dated and old, and just don't fit, or just yeah, they're just not very uh, manageable in yeah. comparison to a lot of the later armies. I think indeed. And then we have the Supreme Patriarch. Now, Supreme Patriarch is one of the two special characters that I would consider using for a Math Hammer army. The Staff of Lands. It is pretty strong, being able to make sure that that net. Or bless or some other similar uh, battle magic spell that you have actually make sure that it goes through that makes the battle magics uh, quite a bit better uh, the ring of the lands I guess you get a free uh, battle magic spell so you can force out a, a dispel but since you'll be using a staff for lands it's sort of counterproductive I might go with a um, either a book of Azure to give him a different school of magic you just give him high magic and then you know use the stuff for lands on high magic instead which would make it uh, quite uh, quite potent combination um just a question sorry joe and guys um i wasn't sure because i know i know we're playing like fifth edition but i know this is a fourth edition book but mm -hmm. is can he take any college magic or does it have to be bright magic for him uh he can take any college magic uh, he's not cool restricted. okay he, he mm. says he's allowed to uh, regular 
battle, battle magic. And when you have access to battle magic, you have access to uh, colleges of magic as well. Even though you might right, have the okay. empire. That's good because I think we're going to start playing using like fifth edition, but using all the because I've got you know the fourth edition magic set for um, for the empire, all the college magic. So that'd be cool to have mm. um, the college magic represented in with him. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, cool. Could could he take one like because he's fourth level? Yeah, right. Could, could he take one spell from each different college for four different colleges? Would that be possible? He would have to take all from the same. All from the same. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's only cool. uh, I believe it's only um, Iket Claw who's able to take from different schools. No, it's uh, is it Iket Claw? I can't remember. There's one special character who's allowed to to pick and choose. Uh, I can't remember which one it is, uh, but everyone else has to take from the same school of magic. Right. Okay. Oh, it's it's Beastmen shamans. They can take from. That's right. Beastmen shamans. They can That's take. Right. They can take a combination of Slanesh. Siege. That's right. Dark. Yes. Yeah. 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 You're right, mate. Cool. Thanks for thanks for yeah. clarifying that. Yeah. So yeah, Ring of Lands. It's very thematic, but Math Hammer style. It's not an item you would use. Um, the, it's dispelled on a natural four plus. Uh, the magic you use there, and uh, since you're using the staff of a lance to total power your more important spells, there's not really need for anything to to make the enemy use that dispels. You're just going to ignore them with the staff of a lance. Um, so I would probably give him a uh, yeah either a, a book of Asher to go different school of magic completely different you could even go dark magic with him then um, or I would get a dispel scroll because that's not something you have in the army you do have a level four caster which helps you quite a bit um, but you would probably need something like a, at least one dispel scroll or a a banner of sorcery to help out your your caster. Um, this will also make you able to almost cast all of your battle magic with total power each turn, provided you don't roll the uh, one in three to where it uh, stops working. And with him being so expensive, it's good to give him a ward save. So I definitely like the golden crown of Atrasar on him. Now let's move on to the Grandmaster of the Knights Panther. He's a champion. Um, you give him the Hour of Fortune. Unfortunately, there is a. Uh, 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 change here that makes this army illegal. You haven't given him the same items as the unit he's in. Oh, I see. Okay, gotcha. So he needs to have a war horse. He needs to have barding on it. He needs to have heavy armor uh, and shield, and he needs to have a lance. And he has to pay for all of it. Right. Okay. So he's not gotcha. 40, he'll, he'll be a, an additional thirteen points instead of forty-five. Damn. Okay, Nathan. Well, I've, I've taken your spot of a legal army to this this time around, mate. So, just take the pressure off you. <laughs> I'm glad we're spreading this around nowadays. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll be getting to Nathan as well later on. <laughs> All right. So we move on to your regiments. Um, you do have the points to buy the items for your uh, champion because your crossbows you've paid too much for them. They are only eight points a model. Oh, uh, did I? You're paying ninety oh, points. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's good to know, mate. Yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. Um, you do have a, a, uh, a giant rune. Did I give him light armor or something? Did I give him light armor? Mm. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Well, that would be two points. Two points than... extra, isn't it? Yeah. No, yeah. that can't be right then. Okay. No, you're right, mate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you do have the, the spare 13 points to give them, uh, the uh, champion, the items he needs. 
So okay. uh, it's it's in fact it's not exactly on the it's on the border of being illegal, but it it should be fine. It can even itself out. Now you do have the twelve knights panther. Uh, you have one standard bearer. Uh, I'm wondering a little bit why you didn't give him a, a, a magic banner. Oh, I think it was just just down to points, mate. I think mm -hmm. um, yeah, like I said, it it seems like it, this 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 list looks like something someone's made like five minutes before a battle kind of thing. It's <laughs> sort of just thrown together. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, it's it's totally flexible in that I can change things if need yeah, be. Yeah. And of course, there's no war machines, which is probably one of the uh, most... Uh, it's the staple of any uh, Empire Army, as Justin will tell you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Empire Army without war machines is quite kind of like, you know, um, it's very unusual to see, mm -hmm. uh, to see that, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. But definitely something so that would be yeah. worth giving them. Um, uh, and it would be fairly cheap if you can find the points. Uh, you could give them a standard of shielding to make their armor save of 1+. plus, uh, Or you can give them the banner of sorcery to supply your, your Supreme Patriarch with additional magic. Um, that would uh, only cost you 25 points uh, in addition to what you're already paying for them. So I would definitely suggest one of those two items. Um... I guess I wouldn't really go with a with a since you're going if you're going in one regiment you would have uh, five times three I reckon with the twelve models and the three characters. Uh, so you would only have two of them to strike, but you could get your general to and your champion to uh, strike easy if given banner of might as well. That could also, but that's a bit more expensive at fifty points. Um, if you were to want to play this competitively, I would also suggest getting something some kind of anti-air. Uh, if you could afford, instead of the, uh, see what you get your, instead of the armor of fortune for your grandmaster of knight's panther, I might consider a sky arrow or nailer instead. Or you could go the really expensive route and give a storm banner to your knight pa knight knight's panther. Uh, storm banner is uh, a great item against uh, um, against flying units, though it doesn't really work with your crossbowmen and your halflings. So. I guess I'd, I'd try and find a spot for the sky arrow, if you could. Um, I would also... I oh, can't give a, a lance to him, no, that's elsewhere. But uh, Flagellants is probably the best infantry unit in the game. They're just amazingly well studded and they're very low priced. 10 points a model, strength 4, toughness 4, 2 attacks, and a flail, so they have strength six in the first round of combat. They are uh, amazing. It's uh, uh, you'll see in uh, in my army, and also in in if we go go on to the army that Casper uh, sent me, uh, we'll be using as many as possible flagellants. Uh, five times uh, four is a great choice with twenty flagellants, because then you can just hold the center. The enemy won't want to fight them, and if they do fight them then uh, they're going to lose, or they're going to be stuck there for the rest of the game. Um, crossbowmen, very cheap, can do some damage with crossbows, so always a good pick to bring some crossbowmen. Uh, halflings, uh, they're a little bit exposed. They do have the ballistic skill of uh, 4, which makes them better at hitting, but they can't, can't carry crossbows, which is unfortunate. They have to set up with bows, um, and uh, they only have a toughness of 2, which means anything that charges them will murder them completely. 
so they definitely have to stay out of combat. For the uh, the great swords, uh, I I love the great sword model, and I have a couple of them myself, and I really want to find a use for them, but it, they just like the other uh, infantry uh, besides flagellants on the Empire roster. They just they can't compete with anything else because they can't carry a magic standard, and they don't only the only option they have is light armor. So they can only get six plus saves, which is, in most cases, not not necessary to to bring it. Uh, most of the time, you'll meet modifiers anyway with the strength of four, and then you're just uh, just giving the enemy more points. Um, but I'd love to to field great swords at some point and just have the regiment to paint up. So I am I'm very much looking forward to seeing this army painted up. Uh, and you definitely are on, on the path to something interesting with uh, Empire, with the Supreme Patriarch. If you can build him a little bit differently and support him a little bit more. So in all, all I'm looking forward to seeing this painted up, but it's 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 gonna it's not gonna do that well in in, in a match. I think even in a fluffy match, it, it might uh, is have some issues. Um, if you divide your Knight Panthers into two regiments, then it should fare better, I think. Okay, well, thanks, Matt. Thanks for the feedback. Um, what, yeah. am I, what am I do? I'll just send you the, the list of models that I have for the Empire Army, and then maybe you guys want to put together a list or something for me and then say, okay, well, I think this will be better yeah. as a, yeah. like a, a starting, you know, 1,500-point list or 2,000-point list. Yeah, and, sure. um, yeah, we can go from there, mate. Yeah, it'd be good. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right, Justin, what are your thoughts on this army? Yeah, uh, not not too much to add from what you guys have said. I, I pretty much agree with with everything. Um, I yeah, like Nathan said, I I think the um, it's a really interesting cast of uh, who's who in the empire. So you have the emperor, his uh, standard bearer, and then you have the the, um, the the original supreme patriarch. So so I think that's really cool. Um, I think yeah, I agree. I think the supreme patriarch with the the staff of Olans is is quite powerful. I, Joshua, you remember we we played. Um, well, I I borrowed your Supreme Patriarch in a few games, and and um, actually I think I forgot to use the staff of Olans <laughs> in the in the first round. But it was yeah, you really, forgot to uh, use it the whole game. <laughs> yeah, I, until almost almost the end. Um, but it was fun, and um, at, at least I think we used the fourth edition one from from the original Empire book. Um, but but maybe with the fifth edition one we can try that as well next time. But but that was fun, uh, and also I love yeah I love the Knights Panther. I, I think the the models are really awesome, and I I don't have the models myself, but I would love to get my hands on on some at some point. Um, but I, but I think um, yeah you know when when we move on to my army, I'll probably comment on this as well. But the Empire Knights in fourth edition are quite slow um, mm -hmm. because of barding and heavy armor and shield so i think they they have minus two to their movement so their charge range is only 12 inches right yeah, um that's correct so so yeah so that makes it really um i think yeah that, that makes them hard to compete against a lot of other cavalry units but it's it's a shame because it's it's great to have heavy cavalry that you know that's i think that's very iconic for the empire um maybe 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 sort of two or three other comments one i would say uh crossbowmen are really good I, in this edition in later editions i i took more sort of handgunners but i think crossbowmen here are good with good range um 
I wouldn't probably wouldn't put light armor on, on them because they they would just um, it probably doesn't make much of a difference, frankly, usually in, in games I've mm-hmm. found. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> halflings are are very cheap. Uh, I actually have sort of a bunch of halfling models I acquired a couple years ago, but I haven't painted them up yet. Um, but they're really cheap. They're they're something like three and a half points, right, with bows, or four and a half points with bows or something. Um, but but Joe, you, you're right that with toughness too, they they would just get slaughtered. Um, I might have, maybe I would have picked sort of uh, archers with skirmish instead, if you wanted uh, like a like an archer unit. Um, I think with skirmishers, at least you have more flexibility to move them around and redirect and, and things like that. So so that's probably that's maybe an, uh, an alternative choice. Um, and then, yeah, I agree with everything that's been said on, on great swords. Um, I, I think in in this edition, it's probably really hard to get them to do much because they'll they, they always strike last. You'll probably get charged um, or get shot at actually. <laughs> um, so so they won't do that much. Um, but yeah, they're great models, of course. I agree with that. And um, Last thing I'll say, yeah, Joshua, I, I would have probably taken some war machines, as, as you know. Uh, oh yeah, you know, for the shooting, I, I think that would just give it um, that would def- definitely give it some balance. I think to to the well, give give it more offensive power actually to to your list. Uh, maybe maybe a cannon or a uh, a steam tank or, or or something like that. Yeah, I, I would probably go with a uh, a steam tank because since you're gone mainly cavalry army you want your artillery to follow with you uh, and since you don't have any uh, counter against flying you need to protect your uh, your artillery and what better way to put it inside a steam tank hmm. all right well um, any uh, um, final remarks regarding uh, Joshua's army I think I was just going to say that, like, um, if I take all the magic items, because we normally draft items anyway, I'll have a ton of items left, a uh, ton of points left over that I can include lot, lots of stuff. I would love to take the steam tank, because Justin takes that every game now. <laughs> and I, I just love the model. I just love how it functions. It's just this uh, insane contraption of a, uh, like a death trap, basically, for anybody in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, once once it starts rolling over people and um, you know shooting off its cannon and everything, it's just a great um, artillery piece. And I just want Justin to take it every game because I just want to just see it in action. <laughs> so yeah, I think the steam tank would be one definitely. If I do get a, a chance of getting it, I'll, I'll I'll definitely take that. And the volley gun will probably be my two choices for war machines. I think mm-hmm. um, in my army and. Of course, being a dwarf lover, I would love to have dwarves in my list uh, as well. Um, as either crossbowmen or it's just warriors, uh, because I just think they're just much better than the. Um, in in most cases, stat wise, they're just much better than regular uh, empire infantry. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to take ogres as well, but I don't have enough to have a regiment of ogres, so I would love to have those in my army too. But yeah, thanks for your feedback, guys. Yeah, sure, and thank you for bringing this army to us today. So, uh, let's move on to the next one. Shall we go with uh, your army next, Nathan? Sure thing. And I feel like I should put a disclaimer at the front of this army, because things got weird (laughs) in this army, and it was a lot of fun, but it might have gone a little bit off the wall here. 
my original idea was to make a Kislev list. And I started doing that, and I realized that if I was going to do that, I should probably use the Citadel Journal list instead of the Empire list, because the Empire list only contains three units, and one of them's a special character. And even with adding in certain things to represent mercenaries or units from Kislev itself, things just were really boring. And uh, so I, I kind of cast my mind, I, I still wanted to stay on the Kislev theme, so I cast my mind and thought about what kind of scenarios and that kind of thing that would make for an interesting list. And the one I came across was the sacking of Erengrad during the Storm of Chaos. And the Storm of Chaos actually is uh, something that happened in the 6th edition canon, but it's very easy to port to 5th. You could just have it be any kind of chaos invasion. And so I thought about it as part, uh, this list as part of a scenario. And the scenario would be that these are the defenders of the city of Erengrad after the walls have fell, uh, maybe fighting in the streets or at like at a grand square, something like that. You would have your, your chaos army on one side and, and then this army on the other side. And the interesting thing about Erengrad is that it is one of the most cosmopolitan cities in the Old World. Uh, people often think of Altdorf because of the Colleges of Magic, or Marienburg because it's kind of the free city where people from all over the Old World come and go. Erengrad is kind of like a slightly smaller version of Marienburg. And if you look into the history of it, you get people and species from all over the old world that make their home there. And I thought, what a great way to show off something that's really cool about the 4th edition Empire book that really grabbed me while I was looking through it. And that is the diversity of allies that the Empire has, I think is probably second to none. You can get a lot of neat stuff in here. So I tried to cram as much of it as I could. And uh, I also changed some names to make it more of a Kislev theme while still being an Empire army. And we'll see that in a second there. But yeah, so that, that's kind of the genesis of this list. It's the last defense of Erengrad. And just to give you guys a little bit of the lore here. In 2521, the hordes of Archaon the Everchosen swept down from the Chaos Wastes. Intent on smashing to ruin the kingdoms of the Old World, Kislev was the first nation to feel the wrath of the Dark Gods. Prague and Erengrad were brought under siege, with reinforcements from Kislev cut off. The defenders could look to only the defenders could look only to themselves for salvation. The defenders of Erengrad fought bravely and threw back wave after wave of darkness against such ho hordes as Archaeons. Their efforts were in vain. The walls were breached and now begins the last defense of Erengrad. So we start off with our general, which in this case has to be a general of the Empire. And uh, he, we're making a little bit of a switcheroo for this one, and uh, we're making him into a Kislev character, and he's going to be Boyar Alexander Stosev, a keen politician and renowned hunter. Boyar Alexander has led Polks out of Erengrad on many occasions to do battle with the Servants of Chaos. He is a loyal son of Kislev, and now he leads a final defense of his beloved home. Despite the warnings of the Ungol hags, he has taken up the dreaded Frostblade, a twin to the Serena's own Fear Frost. As the battle begins, he can already start to feel his own blood turning to ice, 
but for the boyar, no price is too great to pay for his homeland. I should mention at this point that the characters are very, very, are armed uh, in a very lore-friendly way to the scenario that I was making, and in no way do they work Math Hammer style at all. Uh, so I, I am aware of that, uh, but I really wanted to have some fun with this one. So he is a general of the Empire with the Armor of Fortune. He has the magic item Frostblade the, and a potion of strength, a shield, and a warhorse at 229 points. He is a bit expensive, and I fear that, and I, I don't play Empire either, but looking at the stats of an Empire General, I already have the same problem with them that I do with the Elven Generals, where I don't really think they're great at much, but at least the Empire General is cheaper, uh, which I have definitely shattered with that 100-point Frostblade. I love the fluff around Fear Frost, which is Serena Katarin's uh, mm -hmm. Warblade, that any man who touches it basically will freeze to death on contact and i thought wouldn't it be cool if there was more like there was more than one of these kind of frost blades within kislev and by drawing it the boyar has sealed his doom but he's using it in the last defense of his people and that's kind of where my idea came from there the next character is mad ivan Boyar Ivan Chenkov lost his mind after his family was ambushed and killed by beastmen whilst traveling towards Middenheim during the first days of the Storm of Chaos. At his persistent request, the Ice Mages have created a gem to contain all of his hate and rage. He enters the battle aloof and cold. He looks like a man already dead, whilst a blue gemstone necklace glows with barely suppressed malice around his neck. In battle, the cries of rage seemed to issue from the amulet himself, whilst the, boy whilst the boyar remained silent. This is probably the most egregious point at which I decided to throw com uh, competitive Warhammer out the window and just give him something cool. Uh, so this guy is a nuker, uh, which is mm -hmm. something that I owe the Flail of Skulls podcast to introducing me to. He's kind of your classic Empire hero on a Pegasus, uh, who goes someplace and blows up with the Heart of Woe. So he just has a Heart of Woe, a Pegasus, and finally the Shrieking Blade. And in the lore of this, he doesn't have a magical sword. It's the, the amulet himself that is kind of roaring with this hatred. And uh, so it allows him to cause fear, which I know is super counterproductive, but it just seems so cool that I couldn't even resist it. Uh, yeah, this brings yeah. him to a total of 165 points. If I was ever using this list in a non-scenario game, that would be the first thing that I would cut. The last of my characters is the Ice Mage Katya Kaminska. A fearsome, a fearsome practitioner of ice magic native to the frozen realm of Kislev, Katya is a cousin to the Ice Queen herself and almost as fearsome in battle. The spirits of Kislev revolt at the tainted touch of chaos, and Katya can feel their rage. She taps into the very essence of the land to freeze the invaders in their path. The only way before, unless you're using the Kislev Citadel Journal army list to get ice magic, is to take Serena Katarin. So that's what I've done in this list. Of course, canonically at this point she would be in Kislev, so I have... Uh, decided that she will be playing the part as Ice Mage Katya, and that gives me that real Kislev feel to this army of using that ice magic deck. 
And for her, uh, she comes in at 200 points, and I have given her a Dispel Scroll and the Golden Crown of Atrazar. I did not give her Fear Frost because it's 100 points of she is useless to her, and uh, it just doesn't make sense in this case because she is not uh, Katarin. Unfortunately, um, in this case, you she, it has to be one of her items if she has any. Are you sure? Cause I, I wasn't sure about that, and I felt like asking, but it, it said may carry including it, but I wasn't yeah, it sure say if may it carry needed including to... it. Yeah, I, I figured that the... But like, it does say afterwards other magic items may be chosen. Yeah, th this is the weird part about it. Is, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I could read it either way. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would probably defer to your thinking on this one, uh, because you're, you're far more experienced with uh, the wording in these books, but... I thought if I could get away with it, maybe I can't. Um, but man, I really don't want to take Fear Frost. It's so bad on her. It is an interesting uh. point you raise because it is the same wording um, as one of the other characters as well. But uh, we'll get back to that. Uh, please yeah, keep going. Sounds good. Uh, so the total characters is 669 points there. Now we're into regiments. The Legionnaires. A small contingent of the Gryphon Legion was present at Erengrad during the Storm of Chaos. Their extraordinary counterattack nearly broke the Chaos Hordes once they entered the city. And this is seven Kislevite winged lancers. In the Empire Book, of course, there's no option for the Gryphon Legion. Uh, so to kind of uh, show how elite they are, I decided to give them a banner uh, with the Banner of Might. Uh, and they come in at 250 points, so they'll hit well. Or they, they should hit accurately. Then we have the Step Riders. Many were the Ungol tribes that fled south before Archaon's hordes. Their peerless horsemen were invaluable in waylaying the Chaos Army and buying the city's defenders precious time. This is three units of six Kislev horse archers at 96 points apiece uh, for a total of 288 points. Then we have the Lucky Dogs of Lucini, or perhaps the Unlucky Dogs of Lucini. Erengrad has always been a popular destination for cell swords from around the Old World. The mercenary crossbowmen, known as the Lucky Dogs of Lucini, had the misfortune of not being able to get out of town before the Storm of Chaos descended. In a move that speaks to the utter desperation of the situation, the Lucky Dogs have decided to waive their fee to fight against Archaon's Horde, reportedly the first time that reportedly the first time ever that Talian mercenaries have fought pro bono. <laughs> and this is two units of Empire crossmen, crossbowmen, uh, one unit of six and one unit of seven. That unit of seven was just there because I had uh, ex and exactly enough points at the end of the list to up that by one. And uh, they come in at a total of 104 points for those two units. And my total regiments come in at 642 points. Then we get into War Machines. And these are Ursan's Claws. During the reign of Tsar Boris the Red, many fearsome black powder weapons were purchased from the Empire as part of the reformation of Kislev's military. These two mighty cannons have been stripped from their normal homes upon the ramparts of the city and are now being pressed back into service in the last daring defense this is two Empire Great Cannons. I honestly don't know how good or bad Great Cannons are. They were the one 
artillery piece that I felt were appropriate to Kislev. And I felt that an Empire army should have some artillery. It's a very famous part of the way that they wage war. And I felt, felt that it made sense. Uh, this list is fairly heavy on the, the shooting side of things. So I, I kind of leaned into the theme for those two. And now we have allies. And uh, this is where things get a little bit weirder because uh, I just decided to, to have some fun with this one uh, based on the fluff of Erengrad. The first one is the Ladies' Militia. Erengrad is home to a large Bretonian community. The Temple of the Lady of the Lake in Erengrad is purportedly the largest outside of Bretonia itself. Though the Bretonians in Erengrad are mostly poor peasants, they fought bravely to defend their temple and city, putting their skills with the longbow to good use. And these are two units of squires with longbows, and I feel like between the skirmishing Kislevite horse archers and the skirmishing squires, we should have a good number of screening units that are really kind of annoying to the enemy. And finally, we have the Elven Contingent. And this is led by Ferenthar, the Merchant Prince. The Elves of Ulthuan have long-standing long ties with the city of Erengrad. Their trade interests in the city are second only to those of the port of Marienburg. Whilst most of the elven traders withdrew to Ulthuan, the noble elven mage Ferenthar stayed with his loyal retainers to defend the city. Whether this was done from feelings of loyalty to his human allies, or a desperate need to defend his vast fortune of goods, is up for debate. This is a high elf mage champion at 121 points with the Book of Asher and a Dispel Scroll. Uh, for a total of 191 points. And then, because I felt like he really needed a bodyguard, we have Ferenthar's Guard. Merchant marines with centuries of experience sailing the treacherous Sea of Claws make up Ferenthar's personal guard. They are prepared to stand with their Kislevite allies whilst defending their master's person and property. And this is 11 Lothern Sea Guard at 154 points, uh, with longbows, a banner and the banner of sorcery for a total of 204 points and our total allies is 489 points and the total army is 2000 points this is i the thing i like about this army is that it it does feel like kind of a a motley crew of the the old <laughs> world uh in, in a desperate defensive of their their city and yeah i like this one and uh yeah you guys can just tear this right to pieces <laughs> all right well uh let's have uh, justin go first if you don't mind yeah um so nathan I, first of all I, th I think this is really 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 cool <laughs> I, I really like your uh your theme and and the um descriptions you have for each unit and and character um personally actually i'm, I'm not too familiar with the story of uh erengard or or actually just Kislev in general. So, so this actually has really piqued my curiosity and I, I really want to take a, take a look at this. Um, I sort of, sort of took a break from the game during storm of chaos. So, so missed a lot of this, but, but this is really, uh, really interesting and, and really cool. Uh, and I guess I'll say, I guess one thing I'll say is that one, you know, sort of, sort of having started empire in from, uh, sixth and seventh edition, but then coming back to fourth and fifth edition, uh, definitely one of the cool things is the diversity element of the empire army that you can you can 
do in this edition, so the, the allies and, and, and others. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's I think it was just really cool to have that. Um, and then finding a, a, a kind of a lore reason uh, to put all these units together and, and have this army sort of a certain time, you know, sort of assembled together in a certain time and place. I, I think I think that's really cool. It's, it's sort of not just throwing a whole bunch of things together, but actually having a reason for, for all of them to be there. Um, I think in terms of, um, I, I won't comment too much on the characters because I'm not, uh, I'm, you know, I'm curious to hear what Joe would say about their, uh, how well they do. Um, but the, but the nuking, uh, the Matt Ivan, right. I think that that that's just really cool. The sort of the, your, uh, your, your, your cowboy on a, on a Pegasus <laughs> and, and, you know, running around and, and, um, I, you know, usually I, I, I feel that something like this before in, in later editions, but usually it's a war machine hunter. Um, not, not something that I send to blow up something, but I would love to see how that actually works and works on the field. Maybe I'll try it against Joshua at some point. <laughs> um, and then I, I think the, uh, yeah, the units are really cool. I mean, I, I, I guess in, from what I've learned um, from my short time playing fourth and fifth edition empires that the Kislev units are, are the best. Um, so the wing lancers, the, um, the horse archers, will, I think will give you plenty of, of screening and, and sort of redirecting and, and, and things like that on the battlefield. So, so you could probably do a lot of cool things with it. Um, and then maybe the last thing I'll say is just the cannons. Um, I, you know, we, we like you probably heard us earlier uh, that we were joking that with with um, when when I was playing against Joshua, uh, in the beginning I had really terrible luck with the cannons because uh, the artillery dice was was not not that uh, doesn't always turn up the way that you want. Um, but in the last two games it's actually gone really well. Uh, so so I do think actually cannons are one of the not only one of the most iconic uh, war machines of the empire, but actually. Uh, pretty good in in general. Um, sometimes that's the uh, be because in the empire you have mostly lower strength units. Um, so aside from your heroes, unless you have a really strong hero, your cannons really the only thing you can use to take out monsters or or enemy big enemy characters or war machines and that kind of thing. So yeah, you might have to sit back and just try to shoot and snipe enemy characters um, with those cannons before they get close to you and, and, and do other things. So, so yeah, generally I've found the cannons to be a, a pretty, pretty good choice. But, but yeah, no, I've said I, love, I really love the, the theme, and, and I'm really going to look into this Aaron Guard story now, I've, I've, now that I've heard it. <laughs> so. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Okay, uh, anything you want to add about the allies or anything else? Uh, no, no, I think that's it. I'll, I, okay. I, I'd love to hear the, you and Joshua's comment on sure. this as well. Yeah. Well, Joshua, why don't you go next? Okay, well, first of all, Nathan, it's always a pleasure um, to see your imagination go wild with your uh, list that you build and the, the fluff behind it because you are the law master here. And um, mate, you, can't, you, you do it better than anybody else. Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't know anything about uh, Eringrad either, but I do love the uh, Kislevite theme because Kislevites, they're kind of really popular now. I don't know whether that's because of um, the news of the, the new old world thing coming or and because of your podcast, you highlighted <laughs> about ice magic and the 
uh, Katarina herself and that kind of thing recently. So it's it's been around uh, for quite a while. And I think one of the guys from the Old World Lives, um, he has a total Kislevite army. So I love the theme and, and idea behind uh, the Kislevites. Um, so I think for, for modeling potential, if you're ever going to make this army, you know, with the snow basing and that kind of stuff, it'll look really cool. Um, the hero on the, the Griffin, uh, sorry, the Pegasus with the Heart of Woe, just takes me back straight away to the 90s with my friends doing that against each other with like cheap mounts, <laughs> flying mounts with the Heart of Woe. It's just like the auto thing that they did all the time. They even talk about it now. Nowadays, it's just quite funny. So you really sort of... Um, captured the the 90s uh sort of the one trick pony there with that one so that was quite cool um i was even thinking about taking a pe pe uh, like a hero on a pegasus too actually for my list because i like the idea of having uh flying units as well uh it sort of it sort of definitely uh, matches the theme of empire um the uh, now you talked about this journal with the ice magic um uh, how how is that different from the ice magic spells that come with the fourth edition book? Oh, it's it's not at all to my knowledge. It's just that to access those spells uh, in the Citadel Journal Kislev list, I believe that you can take actual ice mages, whereas in the Empire book ah. and in in the regular kind of army books of Warhammer, the only way to get it is to use uh, uh, Serena Catherine. And I wanted to stick with just the army books to to make this list, so that's that's why I've I've gone with her instead of uh, the the Kislev Ice Mage that appears in the journal. You can also right. access it with the Book of Asher. Oh, oh, of course, yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that. <laughs> cool. Well, I, I didn't actually know that, but I I had no, I had no idea they had a. Uh, now that's another thing that sort of I've sort of tapped in recently just through other people that. Oh yeah, in the journal they had this particular list, or I found a lot of stuff on Man of War through the through the journal. So, the journal have the journal have the all these hidden gems in there that I have to explore later on. And I think we should I think they have that should have their own sort of dedicated podcast for the journals. I think at some point <laughs> because there's some really good stuff in there. Um, uh, so yeah, like generally overall, it's really cool. I love the idea of having the high elf uh, champ, uh, mage champion. In there as a as um, and your Lothran Seaguard as a as an ally because yeah I don't really consider allies when I'm making lists but I think it's a really good idea and uh, uh, even for like a, a, a even for myself you know d having like a dwarf contingent of allies in my empire army would be really cool and having the the high elves as your um, themed uh, allies for your particular army I think is really really nice and it sort of fits in well. Um, especially given that you know Empire are really rely on shooting, and uh, there's not, 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 nothing better than High Elves to do that sort of particular task as well. Has to make a really defensive army that can just sit back and just volley arrows from from afar. So yeah, mate. Overall, I really really enjoyed it. Um, I love the Kislevite horse archers as that sort of light cavalry, uh, little small blocks of six that can you know just uh, be used as these. Uh, well, annoyance really. They're like mosquitoes around the battlefield, just you know, peppering things from afar, uh, and just moving very, very quickly around the tabletop. They're really cool. And the wing lances, of course. Um, I was just talking to someone about this the other day. I would love to have wing lances just as models to paint because, uh, apart from the regular um, Empire cavalry models, the heavy cav, the wing lances probably would have to be my favourite. 
um, apart from those. Mm. So I'm, I'm really glad to see those in there. And again, you know, you've got all the the great fluff behind each individual unit and name for the units, which are great. Um, so, mate, yeah, all, overall, I would love to see this uh, again realized on the tabletop one day when you when you do your live streams with the guys there and, and play this for real, man. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, yeah, I appreciate I it. That. I agree on that. Uh, anything else you want to add, Josh? Uh, no, man, I think I've covered pretty much all. You guys are going to cover anything, Joe, so you take it away, man. All right, all right. Well, let's take it from the beginning. I, As always, I love the lore between, uh, for all, all the armies that you bring. You really put a lot of effort into finding stories and, and writing your own stories as well to add to the characters. That really brings life to the list as well. Uh, so, and a particularly a good job in this one because... There's also some elements. You've gone even further by, even though you're building a, a, a fluff army, uh, you're adding math hammer elements, or at least trying to mix items that suit the characters, while still, you know, uh, giving sort of a, a strategy to it. So yeah. I want to start out with your um, your general. I love the general. Um, you have the armor of fortune, so you have cheap armor, uh, so you can afford to give him the frost blade. And of course, with the Frostblade, you only hit with a strength of four. So of course, you're given the potion of strength. So you've increased his chances of, uh, of uh, you know, making that wound connect that kills him. So if you were to build a Frostblade build, this is how you would do it. Okay. Yeah. So I definitely like this awesome. one. Um, and and you put him in a unit of Kislev Horse Archers that also has the Banner of Might. So he also has plus one to hit. So he's going to be hitting on usually either if he's against another character it'll be on threes uh, against any kind of monstrous monster or infantry units it's going to be on twos and then he's going to be wounding on twos most of the time so it's likely you're going to get two wounds through and then if they have a four plus better ward save then you're like very much likely to kill them on the uh, on the dice mm -hmm. uh, so if you get the charge and you've got the potion of strength off in your turn it's going to be a, a good day for your general I would probably give him a lance as well, so you don't always have to use the Frostblade. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you could even give him a bow as well, a longbow, so he can also shoot. Um, and as to Mad Ivan, uh, I love the idea of you bringing a nuker. Uh, Nukers are definitely one of the stronger aspects of the Empire because you can make them so cheaply. The uh, uh, one version is what you have here, the hero uh, with the Heart of Woe on a Pegasus. I would also give him Heavy Armor Shield and Lance because that gives you a chance to deal one additional wound when you attack before you get yourself killed and you won't die okay. to stray <laughs> arrows. Uh, as for the yeah. Shrieking Blade, I mean, it makes him more expensive, in, and in that case, it means that he has to, when he dies, he has to kill more for him to be worth it. Mm -hmm. um, or he has to be chasing uh, war machines first before he dies uh, in, the, in some final battle against the enemy general, taking him with him. Um, of course, it makes harpies, it makes it more difficult for harpies to attack him. I do believe a... Um, Glancing strike counts as a charge, so they would need to take a, a leadership test in order to be able to attack him. Or they'd be oh, hitting nice. on sixes instead of the usual, uh, they'll be hitting on fours, uh, sixes instead of fours. 
So I'm not really sure how it works with lancing strikes, but I'll have to look up at, on it because it's uh, it's kind of funny with the shrieking blade. You make him uh, cause fear. Um, you also force the enemy to take fear tests when you charge them, of course. Uh, meaning you might not be able to die in the first round if if they fail <laughs> the fear test. Uh, and then you'll be driven off, and then just be standing in the open. So, mm -hmm. uh, for lore-wise, I definitely approve of the uh, the story you've made, and you've given this weapon. But in in a building a nuclear, you wouldn't want to give him this shrieking blade, of course, as mm -hmm. you mentioned yourself. Uh, the ice mage. Now um, I'll, I'll just quickly jump over into the colleges of magic, just just quickly to go through the ice magic, because there are some there are some decent spells in the uh, colleges of ice magic but you also have three spells which are almost useless uh, you have the first one which is the uh, freeze water um, yeah <laughs> so if there's no water on the battlefield there's nothing to do with this spell and you w and even if there were some water on the, on the battlefield it's un very unlikely that you get your opponent to spend a dispel scroll or win some magic card to get rid of this spell to just let it go through and then you we use the power card on that. Uh, the same with the Hawks of uh, Mishka. Um, causing an enemy unit to take a fear test might be something they want to dispel, but in most cases, it doesn't. The enemy will have uh, too good leadership for you to deal with it, uh, to use it. Um, yeah, yes. Some of the more expensive spells, like Death Frost as well, you want to. You have to do that against someone in base contact. You do not want your mage in base contact with any enemies. Um, so it's difficult. Yeah. If, if it didn't have those uh, two or three spells that aren't really that useful, you know, maybe you'd want to use it. But I definitely see it used for thematic effect. Yeah. the The real sad thing that I I think about Death Frost every time I read it is that uh, Serena Catherine, she's a master level like a level three wizard mm -hmm. but she has worse stats than the generic level three wizard that you find in the book so she's even worse in combat than than the uh just the generic mage is yeah 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 um and something like the the winds of cold uh if you manage to get that spell off you would want to use it with the um with the cloak of mist and shadows so you can line up the, sh the shot even better uh, and it's kind of uh, very random because each unit struggle also means your own as well so you really have to line it up absolutely perfectly um, so yeah yeah it, it's not something I would cons consider using in a math hammer army but I definitely see it using in in a campaign where you're playing as uh, as Kislev or as the uh, the ice mate as queen herself uh, let's move on to the regiments. Uh, seven Kislevite winged lancers, definitely a good choice. Winged lancers are probably the best cavalry unit Empire can get. Uh, it's cheap, uh, it doesn't have any movement uh, modifiers uh, because it doesn't have any heavy armor and shield or barring for the steeds. Um, there's their standard cap barrier is pretty cheap, and all of your Kislev winged lancers can have magic banners. Which is kind of uh, strange as this unit in particular that can carry infinite amount of uh, magic banners. <laughs> um, 
usually we'd go with something like since they're not particularly strong i mean they're they're only weapon skill four and the strength three so five on charge uh, so you're not expecting them to do the damage which is why you probably wouldn't go with the banner of might unless you have a bunch of characters in the front rank uh, so usually I would go with a banner of uh, standard of shielding instead to make their okay. uh, save a little bit better. It becomes a 3 plus, I believe. Uh, and that way there's less chance of them uh, dying and uh, forcing a panic test on your, your general's unit. Fair enough. Um, Kislevite horse archers are definitely good choices. Uh, any reason why you went with six of them? Uh, that's a great question. I think it was just so that, uh, is it, I think it, was it one more that it takes to get them to do that first leadership check? Uh, or am I, is my math off there? Yeah, like when, little, when they did off, yeah. Oh, okay. The, the first test is at 25%. So, uh, the difference. So if you want to go, uh, uh you, where you need to take two casualties instead of one, you need to go to nine from five so f five you, you, you right. need to take uh, okay yeah two, so that was ca- just my simple brain not uh, yeah, doing yeah, that yeah, yeah so basically with five uh, horse archers yeah you need to take two casualties before you take the panic test but at nine you need to lose three um, okay as for, as okay yeah so I could save a little bit of points there yeah, yeah, yeah. You can definitely cut one of them each. Uh, and then I'd probably fill out on your Empire Crossbowmen. I would go with uh, nine or ten models per group. I'd, uh, okay. That with the long range and the uh, usually four plus or three plus to wound, that's about one and a half wounds per volley at ten models. Mm. Okay. Um, and also, uh, since they're the 20 millimeter base, then uh, 10 models and 9 models doesn't take up too much of your deployment zone. Because if you don't have a hill, you need to deploy them in one line. Uh, the war machines, you have uh, overpriced. They're at 95 points each. Oh, whoops. <laughs> um, but uh, I am also a big fan of the uh, Empire Great Cannon, as you will see when we get to my list. Um, so uh, I've definitely been toying around with that a bit more. I'm leaning away from the uh, standard use of the Hell Blaster simply because it is maximized at 24 uh, inches. So it's a, the Hell Blaster is a zoning tool, while the Great Cannon can reach all over the map, 16 range. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely like that, uh, meaning that you won't have to deploy it near the front line. You can deploy it all the way back in, uh, in your deployment zone and still reach anywhere on the map. Meaning the only thing that can get to it are skirmishes that run past you or flying units. Uh, the other way, of course, is the steam tank where flyers and uh, skirmishers won't be able to do anything against it. Uh, you'd need a black gem bearer. Um, uh, Joe, just sorry to interrupt for a yeah, sec. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, Go ahead. What... Um what version of the Empire book are you using? I'm just thinking I have uh, a very, like, the first kind of 1993 version here, and it has great cannons at 100 points. I'm just wondering if they were updated, maybe for the uh, the later printings? Uh, let's see. Uh, mine is from 1992. Oh, oh, okay. Hmm. 
Could be oh, that's so interesting. Could be I'm using I, an older version. I have one. Mine is 1996, actually. Okay, yeah. But, so I, but I thought, <laughs> yeah, I thought there's only one fourth edition Empire book. Uh, I yeah, think we've come can... across it before. There are there are two printings, guys. Yeah. 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 Okay. And okay. and I've noticed too that different countries uh, have different uh, page layouts or even different content in some cases, which is an interesting uh, yeah, discovery yeah, yeah. we've made. <laughs> but, that is. But is yeah. It is ninety five points in mine as well. Um, the great canon and then the mortars are actually one hundred points, but the great cannons are ninety five points. Yeah. Yeah. Each. Yeah. Yeah, which is the mortars being at 100 points is also a bit strange. Uh, mortars being uh, like yeah. stone throwers, one of the worst artillery units. That's so interesting because my book has 100 points for both mortars and great cannons. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, that, so that is funny. Yeah. So I get why you're paying 100 points now uh, since it's <laughs> in your book. Um, let's move on to the allies. Uh, I like the idea that you have various factions visiting the trade city of uh, Erengrad at the time of the invasion, and that's why you bring these uh, squires. Um, I guess uh, instead of these six squires, I might just bring uh, six bowmen. Okay. The reason why is because with six models, you can deploy them in the arrowhead formation, and then they get two ranks. Oh, oh, that's smart. Um, but that's for shooting. Um, I mean, six squires moving and shooting at long range uh, will hit on sixes and then wound on four or fives. So they're not going to do a lot of damage, but if you have them in the arrowhead formation, then you most of the time you won't be moving them. You'll just be uh, uh, lining up or already lined up, and then you'll be hitting on fives. Uh, and if you're charged by, say, harpies you might have a chance to to beat them because you have two ranks mm. all right so that might be a change i would uh, do instead but i still like the idea that you have a lot of skirmishes uh just to to go around i mean the the bowmen they would also be able to use your general's leadership the skirmishers won't be able to so uh, that's mm. another advantage you might have there uh, i like the idea that you bring a, a secondary mage to support your ice mage uh did you have any uh, particular spells in mind or schools of magic for the book of azure or was that just to get the extra spell it was mostly for the extra spell i figured that i'd stick with high magic i've mm -hmm. fallen victim to hive magic enough times to to kind of have a high opinion of it but mm -hmm. i i certainly would uh consider other options if you've got some ideas there well um uh, I guess I might consider going with the colleges of of, uh, of ice magic again, just to to give you more chances to get the good spells. <laughs> okay. Um, that could be, at least it'd be very thematic that you know high elf, high elf mage has come to Erengrad has learnt from the uh, Kislevites of the uh, ice magic. Um, as for the guard, you have eleven C guard, which means you can fire them all at the same time if you deploy them four wide. Uh, you give them long bows to have an extra range. Your uh, standard, uh, your banner, you haven't paid enough points for. It'll be fifteen points when you give them long bows. Oh, of course. Mm -hmm. And then you've given them banner of sorcery, which is a great tool to support your two spellcasters. So, 
I, I really like this army despite it being uh, fluff and designed to fit into the narrative there this is probably the one I would consider um, uh, the most math hammer in in what we're bringing today oh wow yeah okay uh, despite Look at that you guys are rubbing off on me yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, despite there being some some minor errors I mean with the great cannons if we move them down to 95 points that will make sure that you aren't over the points limit mm -hmm. um, and then there's the question of whether uh, Serena Katarin has to bring uh, fear frost or not because then you'll be 100 yeah. points over yeah yeah that would be a bigger thing yeah 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 so that is the only I was just going to say too yeah Sorry, I was going to just sorry to interject there, but I was going to say, you know, if it says may, mate, just just um, just do it so that you you know you have the option to not take it. I was just going to say that, mm -hmm. or just have you know you just playing friendly games, just say, look, you know, is it okay if I take something else apart from the frost uh, that that particular yeah, sword? Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is this is one of the army lists I would love to see like a, a setup either for an actual battle that you played with this army. Or you just uh, did a whole scenery. You built the small <laughs> city of Kislev with the houses and the fighting in the streets. It's just like a gallery of uh, chaos invasion. That would also be very cool with this army. Nice. Okay. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for bringing this one. I mean, I really enjoyed the lore on this one as well. So, um, we have been going for about an hour and 20 minutes. Would uh, you guys like to take a five or 10 minute break? I'm doing all right. It's up to you guys, though. I'm fine with it, whatever. I'm, I'm pretty yeah, good I'm a, just to keep going, mate. My son hasn't okay woken up well, yet, yeah. so... Um, yeah, I might, might be able to do another... Yeah, yeah sure. I'm, a, I'm okay as well. Yeah, maybe okay. keep going for a little bit longer. Yep. Yeah, sure, no problem. Well, let's move on to the next army list, then. And the next army list... Uh, let's go with uh, Justin, your list. So tell us about your army and what you brought to us today. Okay. Great. So I, yeah, in, in my sort of rediscovery of uh, 4th, 4th, 5th edition Empire, I realized that um, Kislev is, is probably the, the well, the Kis Kislev light units rather are the strongest uh, units. Um, so, so probably from a math hammer perspective, I should probably take them. But um, I know you guys have all taken Kislev units, so I decided to try something a little different and see if I can build um, an army that's you know at least some semi-competent but without using Kislev units but um but anyway let's see how it goes so this this army is actually called uh the Reichsguard um it's it's actually one of my I guess thematically one of my favorite types of armies uh that I would build with the empire and and something similar to what I would use in later editions as well uh essentially it goes with the old uh, I, I think the the model of the empire, which is um, uh, faith, steel, and gunpowder, the three things that make the empire great. So, <laughs> anything that's heavily armored, hard hitting, and then and then lots of guns or uh, artillery pieces to to sort of round things off. So the idea of the, of, of this army is is a um, uh, you know maybe the short beginning is that in the, in the imperial imperial year to uh, twenty four twenty nine. 
So the crown of the empire is passed to Wilhelm the the third, the Prince of Altdorf and the Count of Reichland. So from that point on, you know, I, I guess he's sort of an ancestor of Karl Franz. Um, so at that point, sort of the empire, uh, the emperor is from Reichland. Um, and I thought with this sort of change, um, I'm sure they would try to expand the Reichland army, or at least expand the Reich Reichsguard to turn it into actually the emperor's army. Uh, so that is sort of the idea of of, of this. Um, so it's basically composed of Reichsguard uh, units, or an expanded core of Reichsguard knights and also foot knights, uh, as well as sort of uh, regiments from um, you know neighboring provinces like Reichland or. Um, or others, um, but you know, as the emperor's army, I guess you can sort of take units from everywhere. So, so I've sort of kept that flexibility uh, going with that. So, um, um, first of all, before I start, I, I did realize I make I made a mistake w when I submitted the list. Um, I'll, I'll sort of talk about that in a moment. So it's not entirely legal, but I can I'll, I'll, I can make some changes to it later on and, and try to correct that. Um, to start with, I have uh, with my characters. So the general is the Reichsmarschall, but not the current uh, Kurt Helborg Reichsmarschall, but it's sort of an imaginary one from the past. Okay. Um, but he's uh, so so. I think yeah, maybe maybe slightly less points actually than the than if I did with Kurt, or more flexibility. But let let's see how that goes. Uh, so he's Baron Hans von Reichsdorf. Uh, so he is the Reichsmarschall and the Grand or uh, Grand Master of the Order of the Reichsguard Knights. So the idea is that when the emperor is not personally leading his army, it's under the command of the Reichsmarschall. Um, so he is a general of the empire with a, a flail of skulls, which which I learned from you guys is it's one of the most effective weapons. Um, he, has, <laughs> he has an armor of uh, meteoric iron, um, which if I understand it correctly, it includes a shield and gives him a two plus save. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Okay, so that's 25 points. So it seems like that is a good use of points, actually, for getting a two plus armor save. Um, and then he has a jade amulet, so that's sort of an additional security if he gets hit, uh, and a war horse. Uh, so in total, that's 163 points. And then the next one is, so the other thing I did was I realized the Empire Heroes are actually quite cheap points-wise. Um, yeah. So I try to actually, uh, with with some of the units, um, to instead of using unit uh, champions, I would just sort of put heroes um, you know, in, in the front rank and, and that sort of thing. I think they, they would sort of do more damage. So this guy is Count, uh, well, this character is Count Wolfgang von Schreiber. Um, sorry, I used a name generator for the empire. <laughs> so he's as well. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a Reich's knight hero. So he's basically the um, the, the champion character, if you will, in the Reich's guard knight, knights unit. Um, and he's an interesting guy. He's uh, with a dictionary-like mastery of the Reichsspiel, which is the dialect that's of of uh, the dialect that's spoken in Reichsland. Uh, he is perhaps more useful in court than on the battlefield, but nonetheless, Count Wolfgang leads the Reichsguard Knights atop his barded war horse. So he's an empire hero with a lance, uh, an armor of fortune, um, a shield, and a barded war, war horse for 90 points. Mm -hmm. And then my the next character is a wizard, so uh, Meinrad Kant. 
Although an emperor can always call upon the wizards in the Altdorf College of Magic for aid, the Reichsguard has never really relied on magic to win battles, so it goes along with the theme that they prefer faith, steel, and gunpowder more than magic. Um, but lower-level wizards are usually taken on campaigns to ensure that there is enough magical defense against enemies. Only when faced with the most powerful sorcery will, will a master wizard or the supreme patriarch himself join the emperor's army. So I've, I've kept magic pretty low in this. Um, usually I, I do take uh, probably a higher level wizard, but this time I took a wizard champion, level two. Mm -hmm. He has two dispel scrolls. Um, so that comes to only 168 points. Um, so I'd be interested to hear from you guys whether you think this is actually enough magical defense uh, for, for this army or, or not. Uh, and then I have uh, two other characters who are also unit champions. Uh, one is Manfred von Wolfschon. Uh He's the Reichsguard foot knight champion. Uh, he is, uh, well, his sort of background is he's from Altdorf's, one of Altdorf's wealthiest families and leads the infantry contingent of the Reichsguard Knights. Uh, Empire champion with a blade of leaping copper, just to give him that one extra attack. Uh, and then shield and heavy armor, so he has to be armed like the, uh, equipped like, like the unit he's, he leads. So that is 59 points. And then one more champion uh, is Otto Hellstein, the Altdorf Company of Honor champion. He's a veteran warrior who leads the Company of Honor. And that's one of the regiments of renown, actually, um, which uh, from the Empire. Um, and it's uh, from Altdorf, the capital city. So he's uh, actually a leader of a spearman unit. Uh, he's Empire champion, has the Black Gem of Gnar and also equipped like his unit uh, shield and light armor. So in total, he's 58 points, um, which I think is pretty cheap, right? I think for, for a, character, a character still, but uh, let's see how effective that is. So that that is the total for the characters, only 538 points. Um, probably could, could take more characters or, or make these stronger, but I've, I've kept it relatively um, lower on the point list uh, for this one. And then the, the regiments, uh, I have a couple, a bunch of regiments actually. Uh, and then this is where actually I think I made one or two errors, but I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. So the first regiment is six Reichsguard Knights. Um, I think Nathan was, I think it was Nathan or Josh, Nathan, I think you mentioned earlier that the, the, the Empire Knights actually are, um, are the same in terms of the rules in the book. So the Reichsguard, the Blazing Sun, and the Knights Panther are are, are are all the same. I think except for the Knights White, the Knights of the White Wolf, which have different equipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the Reichsguard Knights, so their heavily armored order of the Reichsguard forms the heart of the Emperor's armies. So six knights with a standard and musician, um, three hundred twelve points. I should probably give them the banner of shielding actually after listening to <laughs> what we discussed earlier. So that, so that might be an additional option for or, them because they will probably... you could also, in their case, since they already have the two plus armor save, um, mm. in this case, you could also give them the war banner, giving them plus one to the combat result. Uh, that makes it okay, easier then. for them to break uh, one rank units or maybe one or two rank enemy units when they charge. Yeah. I think I think that's a good idea. Yeah, because they're not gonna, 
they're you know as as we said before they're they're pretty slow with minus two on movement um, because of barding and the shield and heavy armor. So they if they charge if they do get the charge in they they really have to be uh, they really have to break things and and uh, be be pretty heavy hitting. Um, okay, and then the second regiment is actually and this one probably is. Um, not as good, but I took them anyway for for the theme. So they're eleven Reichsguard. So the the, the foot knights, which form the center of the Reichsguard army. Um, I I bought a bunch of these models a, a couple years ago, and I, I really loved um, the idea of having heavily armored foot knights. Um, so I think if you if you look at the later Empire armies, uh, this was this unit was removed, um, and they had great swords. Uh, which is a bit of a shame, even though the great swords I think became a bit better later on. Um, but I, you know, I, I love the idea of having sort of foot knights. Um, so this is one of the f few I think um, uh, editions of the Empire Army that has this, or or any army I think in in, in Warhammer that has this. Um, so so anyway, I, I took it, and there's eleven of them, with a standard and musician. Um, and I realized actually that you can't give them a magic banner, but um, I, I did originally, but but now I realize you can't do that. So so they won't have it uh, that magic banner. So they are going to be a hundred fifty six points, I think, for for this unit. Um, but I thought they might be a little bit better than the great swords because they have a, a sword and shield, and they have uh, four strengths. So at least they don't strike last uh, on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that. And then the next one is um, I have 19 spearmen. So they're supposed to be the Altdorf Company of Honor. Um, so known as the Sons of the Reich. It's the city's most recognizable and famous regiment um, formed from the best of Altdorf's uh, other regiments. And they have really unique, um, if you look at the uh, heraldry and, and uh, uh, I think heraldry of the uh, colors and heraldry of the empire book, uh, which which came out a bit later, but they are supposed to have sort of bright yellow plumes and black steel armor. So it's actually a really cool looking unit, um, and they are a, a nineteen spearmen with light armor, standard, and musician. Um, and again, I didn't realize you couldn't give them a magic banner. I, I think that's just that's just my instinct from playing Empire in later editions that you could, but. Uh, I would have given them something like the Banner of Defiance, uh, which gave them double, which would give them double rank bonus, and I think would make Spearmen quite powerful or quite strong, much stronger. Uh, but since you can't do that, then then they won't have that. <laughs> um, and then the yes, yeah, so, so so there might be some modifications I need to make, and th and then I was going to have sort of some halberdiers, uh, seventeen halberdiers for the next regiment. Uh, which is a kind of a standard, um, supposed to be a standard Reichland uh, infantry unit uh, with uh, light armor and, and also standard and, and musician. Um, as they would be 171 points. Um, again, the idea was to have sort of a, you know, at least three blocks of if infantry, kind of a pretty solid defensive wall uh, of troops. Um, and then my next two regiments are uh, two units of 10 archers each, um, and they would be skirmishing, <clears throat> uh, 80 points. Um, so the idea is that they would sort of protect the flanks and, and screen and redirect and, and do things like that. Um, okay. So, yep. 
so th those are the regiments. Um, I think that's almost a thousand. Well, with with the changes I need to make, so that there's a different calculation, but they're probably almost a thousand points actually. So that's almost half the army. Uh, and then to complete the sort of the third element of the empire uh, force, which is gunpowder. So I have three war machines. Uh, <laughs> one is the steam tank. Um, I called it the Emperor's Raft. It's one of the steam tank, famous steam tanks that were, was retro, recently retrofitted at the Engineers College in Altdorf. Mm -hmm. uh, a great cannon for 95 points. A steam tank, 200 points. Great cannon, 95 points. And a Hell Blaster volley gun for 100 points. Um, so, yeah, I think this will give it about two cannons and one volley gun. And the total would with this would be about one thousand nine hundred ninety-six points, but you know, notwithstanding the the banners. So yeah, so that's the emperor's personal army, the the Reichsguard. Okay, I guess I will go first on this one. Um, yep. Let's see. Let's start at the beginning. Um, you built a, a fairly decent general. Uh, the flail skulls is indeed a great item for your general, and especially mm. with the empire and when you have them on horse leading a regiment um, it's just better than giving a lance you might want to give him a a halberd as well just to when mm. uh, after the first round of combat if you don't win there which is might be something that's typical with a uh, an empire force because you can't really build like a, a murder unit as you can with some other factions mm. um, so a halberd for additional rounds of combat where you get plus one strength um, the arm of meteoric iron it, it's great to give him a uh, an armor save but you're you only have one uh, ward save for one of your wounds so if you're suffering uh, multiple wounds that ignore armor saves then you only get to save mm. one of them and then the rest just go through so in this case i would probably go with uh, instead of the arm of meteoric iron i'll probably go with the arm of fortune and just give him a shield as well perhaps uh, mm. If he's with the unit of your your Reichsguard or your Reichsguard uh, knights, you might as well give him barding as well because they're still slow to six movements, so he is as well. Hmm. Right. Um, and then, of course, you could give him a, if you had the points where you can give him a bow as well, so you have a little bit of uh, poking damage with this uh, high ballistic skill. But I guess it wouldn't fit into the theme of a uh, Reichsmarshal running around with a bow. Uh, he would have to be a uh, Huntsmarshal instead. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so let's move on to your hero here. Uh, you've given him the Arm of Fortune um, and a Lance. It's the the great idea about the... Um, uh, you spotted the right idea about the uh, Empire heroes. They're cheap, so you can field a lot of them and you can place champions. You can even consider, um, if you look at Bretonnia, for example, they also have access, access to the Virtues. So, for example, their mm. heroes, they can get the, um, the, the Virtue of Jousting, which means that they automatically hit uh, when they charge with a lance. So, in some Bretonian armies, you would include the heroes simply with regular equipment and just give them a couple of Virtues, and then suddenly they become a force to reckon with. Uh -huh. okay. um, so you could do something similar it won't be as effective with the Empire uh, but otherwise uh, yeah Empire heroes on Pegasus with Heart of Woe or in case there are two different kinds of nukers you can you can build you can build the one with the Heart of Woe where they explode and kill everything 
or you can use the item uh, the dark maze of death it's a little bit more expensive 50 points mm. but you deal uh, d3 uh, wounds to all models in base contact and when you're on a pegasus base it's a 40 millimeter base so you can hit four cavalry or you can hit uh, i believe you can hit five infantry units so you basically can kill an entire front line of an enemies in before before uh, attacks are struck in combat so even if you're charged it'll work um, and then you might give that heroes a charm shield to protect them as well that's the general rule at least math and style for heroes but I have thought about building a, a regiment with a front line of heroes just to make the, the unit more imposing in and fight hard in the battlefield. Um, I definitely like your theme of the uh, uh, the Reichsguard itself as well. Uh, as for the wizard, let's go on to that part. Mm. And you include a wizard champion and give him two dispel scrolls. Um, I would consider also giving him a steed to give him more mobility. Okay. Maybe a, a bow if you had the points. Or you could divide it up into two or three level one wizards, each with a dispel scroll. Right. Mm. Um, because their main purpose is to be there to use dispel scrolls. And with a wizard champion, you're likely to be dispelling on fives anyway. So you might just settle with the level one wizards instead. But uh, the, this way works as well. Maybe just some equipment mm. to make your, your wizard a little more defensive so he doesn't have to. Uh, move four so he might be charged by um a skirmishers he might actually lose to them because he's a wizard what what kind of well actually that's a good question what kind of protective equipment would you give well it a, would just be a, a mountain wizard yeah it would just be a a steed and then maybe a bow so you can stand and shoot yeah. or uh, just a steed to give him the mobility so he can run around and and dodge enemies mm. instead of you know just run out of the range because at four movement or eight marching movement uh, you might not get out of the charge arc okay right um also it would make it easier for you to get if you do have any spells you might be able to get off uh especially if you get the the total power on one of your on your, mm. your wizard you also be able to get into range to use the spell so i, I would mm. definitely if you're going for a level two or above i would always give them a steed unless you want to place them in the regiment to protect them um mm. So now you have your uh, Manfred von Wolfsorn, the uh, Footnight champion. Uh, you have given him the Blade of Leaping Comet. It's, it's quite expensive to get a, a one-move model, three attacks. Uh, but I do uh, agree it, it is a nice idea to get an extra attack. Um, the question is, the what is the, uh, the purpose of this champion besides providing more attacks for your unit? Uh, he, could, he could still be killed on a charge if the enemy focuses him with their charge attacks um, yeah I've actually thought about maybe using heroes instead um, so to the idea that you said before instead of using unit champions mm -hmm. you would just go hero heavy in, 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 in your regiments and put them in the front rank and they, they have more staying power or they, they survive the charge and they can hit, hit back with something okay um, let's see here uh, the next one, you have the Spearman uh, champion. Uh, the, the Spearman don't have shields, so you don't have to give him one. Or you, you can't give him one. So it'll only be two points for the light armor. And then you need to spend one point on the spear, of course. Oh. Uh, so it, 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 adds, it adds up. Um, you've given him the Black Gem of Gnar. Uh, I would say the Black Gem of Gnar is more a, an item to protect your, your other characters. 
So say you, you had a level three mage and you wanted to protect him, you put him in a, say in a unit of spearmen, and then you put a champion next to him with a black gem knot. That way, in case anything charges him, or I guess you protect your spearmen from, from chariots this way, but there's, with the 19 spearmen at that low cost, your, your opponent might just ignore the spearmen for the entire battle. Yeah. Um, you'd want something expensive in there for them to, to bait out a, uh, a chariot charge or a, a flying monster and then just black gem them right there. <laughs> uh, taking them out of the battle, it, mo usually for the rest of the battle. So that's the main pur purpose I see of the black gem. Um, I don't see anything that would uh, want to get your opponent to attack this unit and making you get a use out of the black gem in this case. But it is a nice item to have. Um, I'd probably give it to a a champion in your your knight regiment to protect right. your general. In this case, so yeah. I'd, I'd probably put him in the Reichsguard knights uh, with the uh, with the gem there. The uh, the Reichsguard themselves, the ones on foot. It is it is unfortunate because. I like the idea of the, of the knights and foot as well, and I'd love for them to be a useful uh, unit on the battlefield. I mean, the issue, there are two issues here. First off, uh, they only have one attack, so even if it's a strength four, they're not gonna do a lot of damage. So I would definitely like them a lot more if they had toughness four instead. Um, mm. But then the other issue they have is that flagellants are just so much better. Uh, so I, I get why you want to use them in a Reichsguard army, and uh, it's definitely a, a great theme and the models look great, but unless they have some dramatic changes, uh, they move at the same rate of, as dwarves because of their shields and their heavy armor. Um, so I would I would probably just use Flagellances instead in a, in a Math Hammer army, unfortunately, um, because uh, I would definitely like to use them as well. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I think in my, my games with Joshua, they tend to uh, not survive too long either. He tends to shoot them or mm -hmm. charge them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, so. I mean, with a toughness of four, if they had that necessarily a strength four, and they had, uh, maybe they weren't affected by heavy armor and shield because they were so tough, and then with a four plus armor save, and then if they, if they could carry a banner, then it would be a unit worth considering because then you would have mm -hmm. a solid unit that's hard to kill uh, and you could give them, for example, the Banner of Defiance, uh, making meaning they would usually win combat all the time, just by yeah. combat result. Uh, so that's how I see the, the Reichsguard be able to fill a role. But then you'd also need to make Flagellants more uh, priced correctly, because currently they are, they are way underpriced at 10 points a model. Yeah. Uh, they should be 20 points a model, uh, Flagellants, maybe. Uh, so let's have a look at your, your Spearman unit. Um, it is also a sad thing that the Spearmans can't get uh, a magic standard. You need to bring a battle standard bearer if you want to give them a standard. Um, I have played around with Spearman units simply as a, a block to protect my general. And then I use a, a general with the crown of command. Hmm. Um, and then I use the, I don't know how much you read about the detachment rule in 4th uh, in and 5th edition. Yeah, they, they don't seem to be as good, right? Be mm. Because they, they convey the leadership, but they don't actually, uh, there's, there's no sort of supporting 
actions. Yeah. Like you can't counter charge. You you can't do stand and shoot. That that sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But th what they do get is they they get the uh, leadership and the effects of items that affect leadership from the main unit. Oh, so, so you could do the banner, right? Yeah. You could do the uh, the uh, the banner of courage, for example, the reroll break tests. Or mm -hmm. with the Crown of Command, they uh, always take break tests on an unmodified leadership of 10. So you would use maybe either you use archers as a detachment in skirmish formation and just use them mm -hmm. to ho hold up the enemy. You have to kill all of these archers before you get any further because they're always going to take tests on 10. Or mm -hmm. um, you use them to uh, protect some crosswomen. So your crosswomen will always stand. E the rest of the game against if they're being charged by harpies or something similar uh, so mm. you, you make some of your other units more potent this way but of course your main regiment is just there to to fill up because spearmen don't really hit hard and uh, they're gonna lose to other main regiments so so it's there to support uh, basically provide you a uh, a blocking a line of blocking by uh, making your general a leadership battery that's interesting. Yeah, it's definitely mm -hmm. something I've played around with a lot, and I'm still want to try something crazy like having two units of uh, twenty skirmish archers and then one main block of forty spearmen, and just fill the entire table. Like, okay, you have to fight <laughs> your three. You have to kill all these archers before you're getting any further. So those yeah, are some that's of the cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Um, uh yeah. The issue with uh, halberdiers and the other uh, infantry they have is that the only uh, available option they have is light armor. They can't also get shields, so their saves are six pluses. So unless the enemy has, uh, well, if the enemy uh, has strength three, you're fine. You get a six plus save, but r most of the time you want to aim for five pluses on uh, on infantry, so that even if when they have modify, you still get a chance to save. Otherwise, it's not really worth the extra two points. Then I would just go with 17 halberds without any armor saves. Hmm. Um, and with the infantry units, I probably wouldn't give them a standard either because yeah, I would use them as a supporting unit instead. So not, they're not meant to fight something hard themselves. They're meant to go in and flank. So maybe a smaller unit of, say, 10 or 12, just to charge the side, try and uh, get some combat resolve from flanking, cause some panic, and maybe do some damage. Um, uh, archers, two units of archers. I would definitely go with crossbowmen instead, um, okay. because mm. of the uh, the extra strength on the crossbow and the extra range as well. Uh, they do they can skirmish, which is a nice option to have, um, meaning you have uh, more room to maneuver. So, if you're not going for the shooting game, you could definitely go with the archers instead. Just use the uh, the skirmish formation. And you could do that as well with the crown command combo uh, I mentioned earlier. The um, yep. the war machines, steam tank, is a great choice. It is toughness ten. It's very unlikely that it's going to get killed unless you roll poorly on your steam points. <laughs> it's only only happened once in my yeah. my gaming career. It yeah, blew up. Yeah. On <laughs> yeah. And uh, basically, you use it as a giant blocker. So basically, you just yeah. e even if you're you're not firing a cannon, cannon if you're denying an entire table quarter of enemies to getting to you by just placing it on the side in front of them, 
uh, that works perfectly and you can always turn into them and, and roll them over so steam tank is always a good choice uh, I'm personally a big fan of the great cannon because of the range uh, so I do agree with that choice as well um, and then you have the Hellblaster Volleygun, which is a great zoning tool. Uh, so the question is more, um, is finding a, a uh, what is the, how is your army going to win kind of scenario? How are you going to deal with air? How are you going to deal with uh, um, skirmish units? How are you going to deal with gun lines? It's always a thought about what are, my, what are the issues for this army? Uh, what might that be? Uh, be something that could completely uh, wreck my tactic and how do I deal with that what do I need to deal with mm. that um, so that is always in, in my thoughts whenever I create an army um, it's also something we'll see once we get to, to my list because I've tried to do a very specific tactic um, and unless that tactic works everything falls apart <laughs> right. yeah 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 uh, which is why it's not particularly math hammer because I I'm, I'm leaving too much up to chance but uh, uh, the whole theme uh, and the story behind the army, I love that. Uh, I love to see this army painted up. The racks I've painted most of my uh, own Empire Knights and I've done the, uh, the Reich's Knight uh, theme as well. So um, thank you for, for this list. It's been nice to, to go through. Uh, Nathan, what are your thoughts on uh, Justin's army? This is a really neat army and it reminded me of something. Oh, but before I get into it, I should just say that uh, Joshua had to leave us. His little one woke up, oh, uh, yeah, so he yeah, had yeah. to bid us adieu for the night, unfortunately. But we'll keep going here. <laughs> yeah, sure, uh, sure. Yeah. I love the Rakesguard theme. A lot of polished silver in this army, and it's uh, it's got a really nice feel to it. Uh, now that the math teacher is done, I'll come in as the art teacher and just uh, <laughs> tell you how much I love uh, the theming and, and uh, design here. Uh, one thing that I, I absolutely loved was that you were the brave lad who took the Riksgard foot, foot Knights, and I really do hope you get them working in some degree or other because, man, they are just incredible models, incredible idea for a unit. I really wish they had some way to mitigate that movement penalty. I think they'd probably be a lot better. Uh, but I'm so glad to see those there. What hit me about this army as we were going through it is it reminds me very much of a 6th or 7th edition army as opposed to a mm. Hero Hammer one. Because what you've done is you've you've actually gone fairly reasonable on the points that you've spent on your heroes. And I'm seeing... Uh, big blocks of infantry here. You know, the, the types and sizes of units that really speak to the later editions. And I'd be really curious to see how that plays out for you on the battlefield. Hmm. Because it does look a little bit more like a coherent army than sometimes you get in Hero Hammer, where regiments tend to be a little bit smaller and, you know, we go heavy on the, the heroes. Thus the name Hero Hammer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd, lo I'd love to see how that uh, all works out. Do you have, is this a, a force that you intend to play where you are kind of the empire player amongst us here? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so this is actually the army I've been playing against Joshua. Um, so I, I can share some pictures of it. It's, it's sort of 80% uh, painted up already. Um, nice. I, 
Yeah, so I have a steam tank, a cannon. I have sort of uh, the Reichsguard foot knights <laughs> and the Reichsguard mountain knights. Um, I, I don't have the spearmen painted yet, but I have 20 halberdiers. Um, but you're right, gu guilty as charged. I mean, you can you can see that my origin was sixth and seventh edition. Yeah. So so that's that's how the way I, I think about it. Um, but you know, it, it's still fun trying to adapt this into a hero hammer type type format. So so yeah, I really, really like the, the feedback on yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And if that's the aesthetic that you want to go for, which is like the slightly bigger armies and that kind of thing, I think this is a, a great. Uh, a great use of that sixth edition uh, thinking to to modify your lists for fifth ed. Uh, I really like that you have the three different iconic war machines for the empire. There, the steam tank fits the theme so well of this uh, massive of metal moving towards you. I really like that you have chosen to make almost a more mundane force than a lot of the forces that we see in Warhammer in mm. that, you know, there's no monsters in this. Your heroes are all on war horses. You have a wizard, but he is a fairly tame wizard. And you rely on, yeah, that faith, steel, and gunpowder. I guess the only thing that I would like to see here, maybe a little bit more, and this is just if you want to lean even more heavily into the the shiny silver Reichsguard theme is I, I would love to see maybe one more unit of the Reichsguard and maybe another unit of mm. knights. I know they're hugely expensive, so that's probably not uh, super tenable for you, but uh, just just to you know get a little bit more into the theme. But maybe you keep that for uh, sixth ed where it's a little bit more manageable. Uh, yeah, those those are my main thoughts here. I like the I like the spearmen. I like the halberdiers. Uh, and I like the that you've gone for kind of a diversity in those those two units there. Uh, Reichsguard on foot, of course, incredible. I think the wizard champion is a brave choice with the two dispel scrolls. Um, I think he, you know, he might wish he had a little bit more help, but I could also see games where he does just fine for, uh, you know, shutting down the the big spells that he needs to shut down, and then allowing the rest of your army to do its thing love the theme i like what you've done here especially as a bit of a historical force too, set before the modern era mm. those always allow you to play with some some kind of neat ideas here and i i like what you've done a lot yeah yeah i think that's i think that's got me cool thank, thank you thank you nathan yeah, yeah I, I think i would love to add some more knights to it and maybe just go fall on with that theme a bit more uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, so, um, yeah, if you were to keep the wizard champion, um, uh, a way to play him would definitely be to hide him behind terrain or inside a forest. Mm. So he's just there to provide you with those dispel scrolls, maybe pop out within mm. two inches of the forest edge just to cast a spell now and then. Uh, but yeah, he des definitely needs to uh, use the terrain to, to keep him protected. Yeah. I'll, I'll say maybe just two more uh, quick things about this army. I have played... Yeah, as I said, I have played variations of this against Joshua, <laughs> so it has been tested a little bit. Um, and I can say that the I've been lucky with the shooting, so the cannon and the Hellblaster and the, the steam tank actually performed really well, and that, that's helped me win games. 
Um, and then the other thing is the the hero. I guess the hero hammer element, but having heroes in in units and having the general, those those have been extremely effective. Um, the Reichsguard foot knights have been okay. They usually get they usually get targeted for for shooting or magic. Um, but in one game, they did they did hold the line and actually um, route some uh, Skaven rat ogres, which helped me turn the tide of that game so i'm, I'm quite proud of that but <laughs> that might not happen in every single game i think i saw that game was that what, the live one you recorded yes yeah, yeah that was from yeah. about two months ago yeah that was pretty decisive they, they held the line and uh chased down some rat ogres which mm. was which was great yeah i love the uh the cannon and the uh, watchtower yeah that's that that was the one right yeah, yeah, which, yeah. which had really good shooting really lucky mm -hmm. with the dice that day so. mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's always nice to know the uh, it's it's a it's a, a practice of learning how to work, how long how far do you want to shoot your shots. Um, so I always mm -hmm. go by averages. So I, I expect okay, uh, they how how much is the deployment zone? How much has the enemy moved? How much of a curve am I shooting at? And then I always try to figure in at least uh, about uh, five inches behind where I think I'm going to hit the unit. Because that's the average mm -hmm. you're going to hit on the artillery die uh, before the bounce. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for bringing us this list. I uh, love to see if you make any iterations on it, um, and I'd love to see uh, the Reichsguard become a, a more useful unit. Uh, it's very iconic, and it should definitely have a, a place in. At least a, a, a sensible place in, a, in in every army. So, giving them a, a, a magic banner and perhaps changing their strength to to uh, plus one strength to plus one toughness. I think that will make them uh, very formidable and and sturdy. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I will. I will try. Uh, I will try to test, tweak this, and test it more against uh, against Joshua. So st stay tuned. <laughs> we'll do. We'll do. Nice. All right. Uh, do you guys uh, need a break before we carry on? Or should we just uh, push on? That, yeah, let's. Yeah, I we, I, I'm we okay. Let's push on. Yeah. And, okay. yeah, let's just. Fin uh, yeah, let's do your show and, and wrap up after that, I guess. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, the army that I've brought is. I've named it the Reconquest of Mamensk. So, I've made a whole narrative. Um, I based this on the story uh, from the real world about the first and last German king of Mexico. <laughs> um, and he had... Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, his name was Maximilian von Fernando. Mm. So basically I tried to combine German names uh, and then add some uh, other uh, names from... from uh, I mean, in this case I've used uh, Greece with Pyrrhus. Um, so the story is that the lost province of Mamansk was the jewel of the north, stretching out across what is now known as Norska, uh, a power to rival even the might of the emperor today. Unfortunately, they were also first in line to the northern wastes. Over decades, the lands of Mamansk grew colder, food grew, became scarce, fever rampant, and the people uh, ripe for corruption. During the rule of Mario von Pyrrhus, the lord of Mamansk, Tales of children born with strange marks became commonplace and mistakenly celebrated. Within a generation, the rebellions began all across Mamansk. Three warlords rose to lead the rebel horde, 
one known for his cruelty, one for his cunning, and one for her rage. Uh, for years, Mario von Pyrrhus uh, beat back the invaders, yet still their numbers grew. He lost more soldiers with each battle, until not even the capital of Uden could hold back the tide. Uh, the Lord of Murmansk and the royal household escaped, however, not before Mario severed the heads of the three warlords in the final battle for the city without so much as a scratch himself. The household fled south, settling a remote estate by the Gulf of Kislev. So we're kind of in the same area here, Nathan. Um, the last bastion of uh, Murmansk. There, Mario took the skulls of the three warlords and attached them to his flail. Uh, the barbarian forces did not follow and instead began fighting amongst themselves as to who would lead the horde now. So uh, once I've gone through the armor list, I would very much like you to bring uh, the the lore hammer as well, because uh, all of this is uh, very much fictional. Um, uh, so first off, we have the characters. Uh, the characters are come in 615 points, and the army is led by an enemy, uh, by an empire general. And this is the elect account Gustav von Pyrrhus. He's the elect account of the lost province of Murmansk. Uh, generations later, the elect account, in name only, Gustav von Pyrrhus, dreams of restoring Murmansk to its former glory. Each knight is restless as he stares into the empty eye sockets of the three warlords. They taunt him. Sometimes he can even hear them laughing. He has managed to gather a small force of mercenaries and convinced Valmir von Rakov, the elector count of Ostland, to lend aid in the campaign to recapture Odin, or as it is now known today as Doomkeep. Now is the time to strike. Now is the time to reclaim what was stolen. So he's a general, uh, 100 points. He carries the flail of skulls, of course. Uh, then he has the armor of fortune, giving him the 5 plus armor save and 5 plus ward save. And then he also has the Jade Amulet, giving him an additional 2 plus ward save. He's on a uh, steed, uh, he has a shield and a longbow. I wanted to give him a halberd as well, but I couldn't find the points. Um, next up I have the Elector Count Valmir von Rakov of Osland. Uh, Valmir of von Rakov has agreed to lend aid to Gustav, seeking to gain another strong ally in the north to aid against chaos. Even if Murmansk were to fall again, it would allow Ostland time to recover. Uh, he comes in at uh, 9 points. He has the rune fang for one of the rune fangs for 30 points, and he carries the dragon bow of Ostland for a total of 160 points. Next, I have a champion. This is Solon von Pyrrhus. He's the son of Gustav, and he's the champion of Murmansk. Solon has a secret. He was born with a mark of a crescent moon twisted by a dark flame in the palm of his hand. He will only open his hand when he is alone, alone, for that is when it speaks. It offers eternity, but asks for a price. Solon always asks the same question, what is the price? And the answer is always the same, you will know. So he's a champion, uh, and he carries the black gem of uh, Ma. He's on a steed with light armor, shield, and lance for a total of 63 points. So he'll be accompanying the uh, general and the um, winged lancers. We will get to later. Next, I have a secondary uh, champion. 
This is uh, Abramov Radoslav. He's a Kislev mercenary and captain of the Rangers. Abramov carries a heart encased in permafrost around his neck. It is all that remains of his brother Ivan after they were attacked by an ice troll as children. Abramov could not bring himself to let his brother's soul go. Instead, Abramov cursed Ivan and bound his spirit inside his own heart. When Abramov dies, Ivan will break free violently. So this is a champion. He carries the heart of woe. He's on a steed and has a shield and a bow at 61 points. He'll be joining one of the units of five Kislevite horse archers. Next, I have two level one mages. This is Oskar Straussmann and Markus Kremi. Uh, Oskar and Markus are agents of the Colleges of Magic. They have joined Gustav as mercenaries, but their true goal is to provide the Supreme Patriarch with progress reports of the reconquest, reconquest of Marmansk, and if successful, to uncover relics from the ruins of the fabled Uden Colleges of Shadows. So these are two level one wizards. They each carry a dispel scroll. Each of them are mounted on a steed and carry a longbow for a total of 174 points. And that's all my characters. So now I'll be moving on to regiments. I've put war regiments of war machines together uh, for a total of 1385 points. First unit is the Last Grumblers. Uh, once they were simple farmers, they found themselves attacked by bandits. One day, a lone dwarf slayer came by the village by hapchance and decided to help the, vil uh, the farmers fight off the bandits themselves. In the final battle against the bandits, the slayer fell to a stray bullet and now the villagers honor him by following in his footsteps. This is a unit of 20, 20 flagellants and they carry a standard for 210 points. Next is my uh, uh, is the Elector Guard of Mamansk. These soldiers are the descendants of the few soldiers who managed to escape the fall of Uden. It is their sacred duty to defend the Elector Count unto death. This is a unit of six winged Kislev, Kislevite winged lancers. They carry a, a standard and that standard is the standard of shielding, giving them a, that plus one armor save for a total of 200 points. Next I have the, uh, the units which uh, uh, Valmia from Rakov has brought with him. The first ones being the Storm Riders of Osland. Swift as, as the wind and as piercing as the cold, these horsemen are set to herald bad weather. They, uh, sons of, uh, these are sons of uh, Osland's nobles who were not talented enough to train as wizards. There's another unit of six Kis uh, Kislevite winged lancers. Uh, they also have a standard and the one they're carrying is the Storm Banner for a total of 275 points. And of course, uh, what kind of leg count would you be without cannons? So Velmi has also brought the guns of Wolfenberg. And uh, he, uh, yeah, to help break the walls of Doomkeep or even to topple some mammoths. So these are four great cannons for a total of 380 points. Uh, last in the uh, um, army here, I have the Abramov's Rangers. Uh, these mercenary scouts follow Abramov without question, surrounding their foes in a hail of arrows while dodging enemy charges. Though they are very, uh, 
though they are wary of the uh, frozen heart around his neck uh, and the group he chooses to lead tends to stay a little further apart than usual. These are four groups of five Kislev horse archers for 320 points. And that is the uh, entirety of my army. Uh, Nathan, would you like to go first in this one? Sure thing. I think you've got some incredible uh, lore here for your army. This is so, so cool. I, uh, I've really enjoyed the way that you've worked in both the Black Gem as well as the Heart of Woe here. I think this is some of the best that we've seen for us working in items as part of the lore. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, I, I couldn't get over that. Uh, the uh, Solon von Fieres, the, uh, the crescent the, the crescent mark of, of Zinch here, uh, that is inspired. I love that so much. When I was reading through it, it, was, uh, it hit me just how good that is. And I love the idea of it making this deal with him and I love the idea of him taking it up on its offer as something horrible has just landed in front of them right and he's finally desperate enough to just trust it and take the deal and mm -hmm. and uh, how that would turn out for him it's it's really really good uh, love the heart of woe as well it's got a real uh, you, you took a real dark turn with it where it's an actual heart yeah and yeah. I hadn't thought of that before but it's uh, it makes it uh, even more uh, of a disturbing item, really. Yeah, I was also, uh, also quite fond of the one you made. Uh, I love the stories you've made, which is why I was inspired to do uh, uh, these stories with my Black Gem and Heart of Oak. That's because of these armies you brought to other podcasts. Oh, thanks. Well, you've uh, you've certainly done it justice, and uh, I am I am so impressed here. I really enjoyed the idea of yeah of a lost province of of Kislev, something that uh, maybe was formed in the, the early years of, uh, of Kislev, maybe uh, shortly after the migration of the Gospodars and the first con queen and her conquests. Mm -hmm. I could see them carving up the, out this realm in the north while Miska is fighting uh, the Empire and the Dwarves in the south. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this is, uh, it's, it's really cool to think of what evils might have befallen it as well, because if you're going through, you know, if, if the province uh, had some of Norsk in it, you would have probably a little bit of troll country in there as well as mm -hmm. Norska itself. So I could see all sorts of horrible things moving over the mountains and, and settling. And uh, as, yeah, as things get progressively worse and worse in this land, they, they get more desperate and desperate. The, I, I love the... Uh, I, it feels kind of meta almost to have the origins of the flail of skulls in yeah, your yeah. Uh, army description here, but I love the way that you've put it together. It makes me curious uh, to know more of the flail of skulls history, uh, how, how it gets around so much. Um, I'd love to know how Cetra got it for a while there. Cause I'm pretty sure he's the one that uh, yeah, yeah, has yeah. it. Uh, if you buy him as a character, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, so that was very, very good. Uh, the idea that sometimes he can hear the skulls talking to him is also another very dark turn that I, I really enjoyed. Honestly, I could talk about the fluff of this army uh, for the rest of the podcast and, and be quite, 
quite happy to do so. I think it's it's really, really well done. Oh, uh, the you. other one that I wanted to mention was The Last Grumblers. This yeah. is an incredible idea for a flagellant unit, and I think you could do something really fun with the modeling there in perhaps they they dye their hair to mm-hmm. match the old mm-hmm. Slayer, so you could have these human flagellants with these this bright orange hair. I think that would be a great idea. Yeah, I'd um, love to get some uh, some models that you know were went uh, um, uh, without clothes on the torso. Um, I was inspired mm-hmm. for th- for this one by uh, Seven Samurai, of course. Ah, of course. Yeah, there's. I, I I'm going to have to look up your uh, inspiration with the the German king of Mexico, because that sounds like quite the story, and I'm not familiar with it at all. It's 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 uh it's quite a fun historical fact. Oh, nice. Um, the other thing that I was I really enjoyed was that you worked Ostland into it as well, and that's a really natural and good pick for a uh, army that is kislev themed austlin has a really interesting relationship with kislev as well where it's kislev protects its northern borders but austlin also protects kislev's southern borders and uh, a lot of times they'll be fighting uh, goblins or other nasty things Mm -hmm. that'll march over the world's edge mountains but beyond that uh, austlin has to deal with Uh, Kislev bandits and raiders every now and then and it'd be interesting to see it's interesting that the elector would choose to support this formation of of this new or reclamation of this old province in that it would be very far from his own lands and perhaps give him more political clout in Kislev as well if he wanted Mm -hmm. to put pressure on the Ice Queen to maybe uh keep her borders a little bit more uh, uh, secure, that kind of thing. Okay, I really yeah, like yeah. all of the neat political aspects that you could work into this army. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I suppose I should probably talk about actual unit choices at some point. <laughs> but I'm, I'm really just into this fluff so much. Well, keep um, going if you want to. Yeah, the um, I, I do I do have one thing that popped into my head. I... Uh, Again, I, I'm I'm a big fan of of great cannons, but I mostly know them from later editions. Uh, four of them seems like a heck of a choice here. Um, is was that a just you think those are is your you think that's your best bet for taking artillery, or was there uh, beyond that? I know you've got a little bit of a story aspect there, but uh, what makes them win out for you in this list? Uh, their range. Um, oh, of course. Yeah, you mentioned the range. Yeah, you yeah. can kind of reach out and touch something and on any also, part Also, of because once I, I'm going to be using the Storm Banner, uh, mm. if I'm against an enemy gun line or if I'm against uh, enemies with flying units, I'm going to be using popping the Storm Banner in the first turn. So it not only does it make all flying units land on the ground, move uh, three, uh, three uh, D6 in a random direction, uh, allowing my cannons to shoot them, but it also halves all shooting ranges for the rest of the game, unless you roll six, like the, uh, oh, the black gem. Oh, okay. So I, I overlooked the uh, shooting range modifier mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So that is the that is reason for picking great cannons, uh, because then they have a range of thirty, and they will outrange any other unit on the battlefield. Oh, that's clever. 
that's so nasty against flying monsters. You just have to land in the center of the table, scatter mm. somewhere, and then get shot by four cannons. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. It, it, is, a, uh, it is a tact is a tactical choice. Basically, great cannons. They aren't, aren't amazing because there's they can be killed by shooting, uh, and they can be killed by uh, flying monsters. But the storm banner sort of uh, counters that uh, disability that they have. Mm. Um, I would have gone with the steam tanks instead, but steam tanks only have range of 36, so they'll be down to a range of 18. Ah, yeah, yeah, of course. Mm. Oh, that's so neat. Yeah, I I love what you've done here. I think it's so very, very cool. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's about it for me. Okay. Uh, what are your thoughts, Justin? Yeah, I... I um Um, can you hear me? Yep. Yep. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I, I know. I, I think everything that I agree with everything that Nathan just said, uh, I think it's a really cool army, Joe. Um, it's very, um, very, very evocative, right? Like having a, a lost province and, um, and then, you know, trying to reclaim a lost province. And then I, I absolutely love the, uh, the, the lore and the history that you put into the units of uh, in, into the items rather the the flail of skulls being being the three uh, you know three three warlords being killed and then the, the heart of wool being the real heart I think that's really really cool I I really love that um, I was also going to say that I love the idea of the the flagellant unit being the um, inspired by slayers mm -hmm. uh, I think it's a good way to work that into the uh, into the army um, rather rather than say okay here's just some flashlands but but this this I, it adds to the idea of this desperate sort of group of people trying to reclaim a, their lost uh, homeland or lost province so so that's really awesome um, yeah. I, I I guess I can't really critique it from a math hammer perspective but maybe I'll ask you one or two questions about how you play with this and maybe sure. we can that sort of cover that topic. Um, so I would have asked about what you were going to do with the four cannons because that that sounds um, a bit like overkill. But but I I can see from the what well, you know the storm banner idea. I think that could be really really powerful actually, really really nasty. Um, so so that's really cool. Um, how how would you play with? So this is a very sort of cavalry heavy army, um, except for the flagellants. But how would you sort of deploy and play with that? I mean, would, would you try to keep them, keep them together in some way, or would you really send your um, send the horse archers, uh, four groups of horse archers? Would you send them sort of everywhere and try to just, you know, do hit and run and draw things apart, draw the enemy units apart, like the way you play maybe with wood elves? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm interested to hear how you would sort of deploy and play with the army. Maybe, maybe that, sure, that, sure. that's I'll, something we can go I'll through. Go through the, yep. uh, the, the, yep. the tactics of this army. So the idea is, as you mentioned, the Kislev Horse Archers, they're there to divert enemy charges or to take them, they're there to halt the enemy army. Hmm. Now, the Storm Riders, they're there purely for the Storm Banner because it's, mm -hmm. it is the, uh, one of the cheapest ways in which I get a, uh, a Storm Banner on the field without having to invest in a battle standard bearer. Uh, if I invest in this battle standard bearer, for, I, I could do it cheaper, but then if he dies, that's almost 250 points for the enemy right there. Uh, so with mm. Kislev Winked Lancers, there's a chance they might survive and the standard bearer might not die, 
in that case uh, I won't lose as many points for including it mm. so unless they get a, a prime target I'm going to be hiding them because they're worth so much um, my other Kislev unit is going to be with the champion and with the general and they're gonna be my my final punch anything that comes too close uh, I'm gonna try and, and deal with it with these winged lancers otherwise they're going to uh, um, they're gonna hold back as well and and wait for something uh, something they can kill to get in range the flatulence that's my infantry unit and you should always bring at least one infantry unit in an army um, if mm. you can because you need something rank and file to hold the middle and basically if you stand in the middle of the table yeah, then you're uh, either holding or denying all four table quarters of the battlefield mm. and then the enemy has to kill that unit either with ranged or fighting in battle you don't want to fight flagellants they're unbreakable they're strength four strength six the first round of combat they have two attacks with a toughness of four as well so they're pretty hard to kill uh, and they don't cost a lot so even if you lose the unit I mean, the enemy will have to dedicate a lot of firepower just to kill that one unit. So that is the main reason for them. Uh, the Great Cannons, of course, that's I have four of them because of the range. Uh, I would probably only have one or two in regular battles, but because I'm using a Storm Banner and I'm likely to use the Storm Banner in every battle, uh, I want to have enough range so I make sure that even if I'm facing an enemy gun line, like if I'm facing Wood Elves, then all their archers, they suddenly become 18-inch range. Hmm. and then I have 30 inch range so they're gonna need to move at least twice in order to uh, to deal any damage to my uh, uh, my great cannons and and that's why the four of them because that they are my killing power in the early games that's they're gonna be doing all the damage early game so if they just get if they get destroyed or if the storm banner stops working or if the enemy sneaks anything in nearby and shoots them up you know I, I, I pretty much lose the game Hmm. Yeah, I, I guess the flagellants. I mean, the weakness of the flagellants would be towards shooting, right? If you had, if you face wood elves with longer range, they would mm -hmm. they would just try to shoot out your flagellants. But but with they still the storm have a battered, four, so yeah, right. Uh, so yeah. even then, they need fives to wound. Right. Yeah. So that is. Uh, yeah. That's, that's why I. Uh, that's why I'm thinking about uh, toughness four for Reichsguard as well. Toughness four is great for infantry. This makes uh, them harder to kill to range. From from arrow like your typical arrows and that sort yeah, of thing, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I think the storm banner make changes things around, right? Sort of uh, makes it much harder for an from an enemy shooting unit to to get at you. And you're right, I think the four cannons would would actually do a lot of the damage at the beginning and still try to draw the enemy to you. Yeah, yeah. and that is also part of the reason why I included uh, Valmir from Rakov because he's not a particularly great special character, but he fits into the theme of Kislev. And he's the closest I can get to bringing uh, a character with the bow of Lauren without actually having to include mm. elves because you get the dragon bow of Osland. So he has 18 inch range with the storm banner, but he has fast movement because he's on a steed um, and he has a decent armor save. So he can be around uh, running in between the Kistle Force Arches and picking off one or two targets here and there, or maybe try and, uh, you know, cripple a, a chariot or something. Mm. Yeah, I was, I was just looking at the dragon bow of Oslin. Now, that's like a wood elf longbow, basically, mm -hmm. but with strength five and three shots. So, three shots. Yeah. Yeah, that's really that's really 
strong. The problem is he doesn't have a ward save, nothing to protect him, so he's quite exposed. So you need to keep him protected. Um, <laughs> so uh, after I wanted, uh, they started out by building a Matharam army, and I included two nukers on Pegasus, uh, on Pegasi. Um, <laughs> but I decided I wanted to do something uh, a little bit different and try and make a, a workable tactic without using nukers. So I decided, okay, I need the Storm Banner because that, how am I going to protect myself against flying? I either need a Sky Arrow or the Storm Banner and the Sky Arrow will only work against one of them. So what am I going to do against the other one? Because usually there's uh, one or two flyers per enemy. And if I'm facing something like Beastmen, then there's going to be four units of five harpies. How am I going to deal with those? They're just going to murder all my great cannons. It has to be the Storm Banner. I guess I guess one more question and maybe tap your uh, sure. extensive knowledge here. But what what would be the worst? Uh, what would you not want to face with this army? I mean, what would be sort of really difficult for you to deal with? Um, well, I guess uh, Wood Elves is probably the prime target here. I mean, despite yeah. despite uh, reducing their range to half, um, they're going to be in lines of ten or eleven models in just one straight line. My cannons are not going to do a lot of damage to them. Mm. I'm going to kill his nukers because his nukers are going to be on warhawks instead of pegasi. So, um, um, and he's going to be including one or two of them, and he's going to probably going to have some warhawk riders as well. The general mm. himself might even be on a flying mount with the bow of Lauren and the potion of strength uh, as a nuke target. So basically, I might delay them. Uh, but I, I doubt I'll delay them long enough before they start doing damage to my main army, killing my great cannons. So I need something like uh, to kill something like a tree man or to, to kill all the flyers and then uh, just you know try and hide in a corner uh, until the game ends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I say uh, Wood Elves would probably be the, the biggest difficulty for these guys. Mm. Um, the same with uh, any armies with a lot of magic. Um, for example, undead or vampire counts. Once they start right. sp spamming um, Curse of Years with Potion of uh, Knowledge, um, then my army is just going to fall apart. So I would I would like to have one more wizard in this army with another Discworld scroll. So I have three in the army to give myself a little bit more protection, so I can get rid of the more important Curse of Years. Ones that are going to kill my army and make everything break from uh, panic tests. As a uh, a vampire accounts player and also a wood elf player, I I'm starting to imagine what I could do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but but thanks for the thanks for the ideas. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's probably a vampire undead army could could yeah, yeah grind you know grind some of these units off or just not worry about you your cannons shooting yeah. off some some guys yeah yeah because vampires yeah. i mean they're the only flyers they're gonna have are they uh, they've gone full magic if they haven't gone full magic mm -hmm. they might have a, a, a thrall on a nightmare as a nuker with dark mace of death um but that's quite expensive uh so it's it's rare to see that but they'll have vampire bats but mm -hmm. um Getting rid of those uh, doom, uh, the uh, direwolves, that would be my top priority. And then uh, using the four cannons to snipe out the general. Uh, of course, if you keep the general in the back, uh, I would have to go for the necromancer. Um, 
So I probably wouldn't need the Storm Banner against Undead, but I would need my cannons to kill your general, otherwise I'm going to lose. Because even if I just kill skeletons, you're just going to raise more and more and more. And while you march down and do Van Hales and uh, yeah. Staff of Damnation, and all of a sudden you're going to be in my front rank, and, and, and then I have nothing to fight you. And your Vampire Lord is going to murder my van my general in uh, in combat so so the best i can do there is delay and try and snipe your general that's the best choice i have against the uh the vampire counts let's uh let's let's play that game someday yeah, yeah, yeah sure, sure. <laughs> should that. be sounds fun but yeah um so that's the whole the idea i i at first i had the idea of what kind of army i wanted to build um, so I want to make a, uh, a, a great cannon army and how do I do that? I need something to divert their fast moving units. I need something to deny their flying and I need something to deny their magic. And that's where the great cannons mm. go in. So if I could fit another, I'd probably cut the electric count Valmir from Rakov and put an extra uh, wizard in there with the uh, another dispel scroll, maybe even a fourth one as well have four dispel scrolls one for each round um, well usually it's four rounds but you might go to five mm. um, what else would I do I would consider a fifth group of horse archers as well for this one mm. um, yeah but uh, it is kind of fluff because the best option for Empire seems to be the Nukers. Uh, Empire Hero on Pegasus, Dark Mace yeah. of Death or Heart of Woe, you're pretty much set to, to do some serious damage. It, it sounds like a fun army to play, actually. It, that's it's Yeah, it's very cool, actually. I, I really, really like what you did with this. Okay. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, any closing remarks about this army? From either of you? No, I, I would just love to. Yeah, I, I hope you make it one day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> make this army one day and, and play with it. I, I think actually the mechanics sound quite quite fun. Actually, mm -hmm. uh, in addition to the, the 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 theme and the and the look of it, um, yeah, it's probably not the most. Yeah, I guess you say it, it's probably not not the most competitive, but I think it's pretty good. It would probably defeat most armies out there, and and yeah, could be could be really fun to play. It's, uh, it's definitely designed to have a certain tactic and then mm. run from there. I mean, but you're always, in this case, when you're using the Storm Banner, it's the same as when you're using the Black Gem. There's always a chance you roll that six and then they pop out again and then your item's wasted. Right. Uh, but you still get the effect of uh, forcing all flying units to the ground. And that's, that's well, that was my main point. And then I had to figure out, okay, but all the shooting ranges are halved as well. So my crossbows, they're not going to be able to shoot for half the battle. Well, well, just not use any crossbowmen. Um, can't use my Hellblaster Volleygun because that only has a range of 12 now. Hmm. Uh, and the steam tank only has a range of 18. So maybe you get a steam tank anyway, just to have it uh, uh, as a blocker. But I still need some... I don't really have any hitting power in this army beside my main regiment, which is only, you know, it's, it's an average main unit. It's not amazing. And then I have the Flagellants, which is a decent main unit um, or a secondary unit. Um, they hit hard, they won't break, uh, and the aiming doesn't want to fight it. Um, 
So besides that, I don't really have anything. So I needed the I need the great cannons. I, I think the cannons, yeah, I think the cannons and and also the 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 characters with the longbows that they will put some pressure on the on your opponent mm -hmm. to to come at you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, basically, I outrange. Um, all other artillery except stone throwers and mortars, but those I'm not afraid of because they are, uh, they are you have to be lucky to do any damage with them yeah and you don't really have big sort of blocks of infantry except for the flagellants so they yeah, yeah. they won't do that much and they're cheap I anyway mean, so yeah. and even if you lose uh, 15 of them you still have 5 to block right Yeah. so uh, right. it's definitely a good unit to get those uh, flagellants in there and uh, as for what you mentioned, Nathan, um, the whole carrying on the story of the Flayless Gauls, I actually started thinking about that myself. At first, I had just thought the idea that I was going with Lost Province and everything, but once I started including uh, a prequel for the Flayless Gauls, I thought mm -hmm. about, well, what about my next army? Uh, for example, if we were doing Chaos next, sort of do a Marauder army where somebody's you know killed Gustav and picked off the Flail, and then we see his exploits. Maybe he's gone south or something. So I could carry on like a tale of uh, how the Flail Skulls go from owner to owner until finally uh, ending up with uh, uh, Cetra. I think that's a great idea. I just was thinking while we were talking about uh, this army here, I think what you've done is made an excellent start for a Warhammer campaign for two or more people. Mm-hmm playing through the reconquest of Marmansk yeah. and either have it be a the type of campaign where the army is marching north and maybe they run into different types of chaos forces or you could even have it as a, uh, a several player campaign and maybe they're fighting over the territories of Marmansk mm -hmm. because in that area not only do you have the uh, various chaos armies but you also have things like the Norskin dwarfs, so you could mm -hmm. get the dwarfs in there. Uh, it'd be really easy for uh, like a high elf fleet to to sail up there. You know, they they often patrol the Sea of Claws, so you could have you, you could really easily work in all sorts of different uh, factions here if you wanted to as well. But it was something that just kind of popped into my head that this yeah. would be an incredible campaign to play through. Yeah, yeah, that's I had the same thought as well. Uh, that it could be possibly become a campaign. Uh, which also led me to the story of the two level one wizards. Um, mm. First, that they could be you know, in the uh, finding this college of uh, shadows, and some of them might be corrupt as well, because this is going to be uh, the whole theme is, is is corruption from chaos, and standing against the corruption or being taunted by it. Mm. Uh, one second. And the other idea was that. Well, maybe the empire or uh, the emperor or the um, colleges of magic might not be interested in seeing Osland gain another ally, uh, because yeah. that might be make them too powerful, or it might even support Kislev. You know, maybe shift the balance of power in the empire. Oh, that's a good thought. And the electors are very constantly at each other's throats for mm -hmm. any number of things yeah. so it'd be really fun to see yeah maybe an elector of a neighboring province maybe uh or maybe nordland or mm -hmm. uh, minland uh yeah take issue with with this and and send their own forces uh, that's a great idea yeah i had also thought about what i would do with the uh, solon um 
mean, Solon, he could easily go and be become a champion of Siege at some point. Um, with changing into a, a Chaos Lord or something similar. Uh, and I also thought about, well, if, if he rolls a 6 and he comes back, that means he didn't pick the right target. The sacrifice that uh, the voice wants. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my idea uh, behind the whole uh, story there as well. So uh, I should definitely continue this and see if I could make a campaign out of it. I also have the uh, Lizardman uh, temple battle I'm working on. I'm trying to figure out how to build the temple. And even if you don't do a whole campaign out of it, I would love to see maybe the opposite force mm -hmm. at some point as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah the defensive you know, doom keep or something. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, yeah, the it could be a new force because the way I've, I've depicted the Norsekins here is that they're now in warring tribes. They can't figure out the leadership, so there could be a new arri arrival of a, a, a warlord trio or just a single warlord. Who starts to gather all the tribes up and then has to, you know, retake uh, Doomkeep or push south and try and destroy the uh, home of the uh, elected count. Mm -hmm. So there are definitely there are many different ways I, I feel I could go with this one, but uh, I'll see if I can do something about the story and try and make a narrative of how they have to fight their way through uh, Norska to get to Doomkeep. That, that would be awesome, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this is definitely all inspired by uh, your army list, Nathan, so I want to thank you for that. It's definitely oh. got my ma mind rolling on all, all kinds of <laughs> ideas. Oh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad. Well, thank you. All right. Well, um, I guess that's, uh, that's all we have for today. I do have a fifth list, uh, which... Casper uh, uh, sent me because he wanted he looked at the lists and he wanted us to bring a full math hammer army as well um, I will be including that in the uh, armies that we post with the podcast but I don't think we'll be going off over it right now if unless you guys want to ask any questions about it in particular no, that's that's probably okay I, no, for yeah. me yeah all right, all right sure yeah. Yeah. well uh then I just want to thank uh, you, Nathan, and Justin, and Joshua, who had to leave early. I want to thank you all for, for joining me today, for going through the Empire. This faction is, after starting to play the game again, is, is quickly becoming my favorite faction, despite I started out playing Lizardmen. Well, thanks so yeah. much for having me. Uh, always a pleasure to come, and I have learned so much from listening to you guys and talking to you guys, and it's starting to help my list building. Uh, unfortunately, you can't roll my dice for me. Otherwise, I'd be in really good shape. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to the next one. And uh, yeah, thanks every uh, thanks to you, Justin and, and Joshua, and uh, everyone listening. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks, guys, for for having me as well. I, I uh, learned a lot and also got inspired with some new ideas. So that this has been really fun. <laughs> it has, and it's been great to have you on. We'll definitely. Would like to have you join us for future podcasts in the future uh, as we go on if you're interested yeah i would love to i'd love to maybe do what elves or if you do vampire accounts again or any other i'd love to yeah. try or maybe even try an army i've never played and 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 see how that goes so you yeah. can have a yeah should be entertaining <laughs> okay yeah and thanks to everyone listening in um 
I guess that's it for now. And uh, as always, have a great day. And thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye.